Hey everyone, welcome to Coast to Coast Nerds. This is Jonathan Regan here with Aaron Bozeman and Alexon Kirksey once again. Uh, today we will be discussing the Oscars that just happened this past weekend. Uh, we have a little bit of news first, so we will try to roll through that quickly so we can have a nice uh, Oscar discussion. Um, but once again, to start us off here, let's see what uh, let's go around and see what everyone's drinking. What do you got today, Bozeman? Oh, I'm going with a uh, Yellowtail Cabernet Merlot Red Mix. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, very earthy, delightful. Mm. I had the uh, Franzia, the chillable red, um, just for efficiency's sake. It's so darn sweet. I, I, I can't, I can't drink it anymore. I, that used to be a go-to in the college days. I, I can't drink it anymore. Yeah, all the all the sweet drinks from the college days have gone out, gone out the door. It's terrible. For me. Yeah, yeah. What are you dealing with, Alexon? You know, I'm going back to my my old plug, Oliver Brewing Company. Another one of those fantastic. <laughs> Oliver Brewing Company. <laughs> I'm gonna start thinking they're paying IPA. you for this, and I. I just can't imagine how much for our 10 listeners that they're getting out of this deal, but... Honestly, just, you know, I'm just a fan. I've <laughs> seen a massive that? spike in sales just from... I know. think so. What was the name of the beer this time? 206 IPA. I, every time I go to the store, there's like a new like type of beer that they have. Every time. I can never try you them know, all. That's the way to do it. I actually, my, my plan when we like started this was to do... A, a new six pack every episode but i haven't found a good uh like craft beer store around me like all the oh, places i know of near near my apartment that sell alcohol only sell like the normal the normal stuff that you find everywhere so that's no good once i yeah once i find like a good a good liquor store that has like a bunch of six packs options i'm gonna start doing a new one each week so you, you got the right idea um yeah, I'm just dealing with that uh, that Ravenswood Merlot again. I had this a couple episodes ago. Um, so I'm trying to nice. get on the wine. You got me, Bozeman. You got me trying to get on the wine game. I'm trying trying to adapt my palate to it. But wow, it's class. Yeah, it is class. You know, it's taking time. Pure class. I, I still I still struggle with some of these reds a little bit, but I, I'm slowly enjoying them more. So I'll get there eventually. Yeah, it's sort of like a Buddhist thing, you know. There's joy and suffering. It's it's really bad <laughs> and bitter and disgusting, but you're I got, just supposed I, to like it. Yeah, and I have to learn to like it because you know, a big thing in in LA is going out to those those wineries and whatnot. So yeah, yes, the that's a huge thing out there. God, I would learn to enjoy it. Otherwise, I'm just the the, the angry one of the group, and that's no fun. You'll have to rebrand yourself as Vic Vineyard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just rebranding might. always I just is might. good. Rebranding is always good. I try, and it always fails. You know, I tried getting money out on the streets for a while. Nobody, <laughs> nobody was having it. Um, all right. Well, so we got through our, our drinks here. I got no... I guess I have a quick uh, quick announcement. Um, I, apologies for the lack of episode last week. We're still dealing with some technical issues. I also think there was a reported... Um, audio problem with episode six uh if you experience that i apologize as well um but we we are starting to figure things out here so i think we should uh we should be pretty good moving forward um so hopefully this is a nice clean episode for you so moving along into our news here uh we got a couple release date changes coming up very very soon um, but recently, Avengers Infinity War moved its release date up to 
April 27th, a week before its initial initial date of uh, May 4th, uh, they did it in this like kind of clever little Twitter conversation with Robert Downey Jr., which was silly, but, you know, fun for the fans. Um, but uh, so that's very exciting for any Marvel fans. But uh, tied to that, uh, Rampage, which was scheduled for f- April 20th, has moved its date up to April 13th to try to give itself a little extra, little extra space to make some money which is obviously very scared of Avengers, as they should be. So what do you guys make all these moves? This might be the start of, you know, blockbuster action, like Hollywood season getting moved up kind of like Christmas was. Like every year Christmas is like a week early. I feel like the same is going to happen to this. Yeah, I mean, if if they're going to put out, they're going to put out five or six movies a summer, then I guess you kind of have to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, um, uh, me and Alexon were actually talking briefly before the show about how um, this, I mean, and this kind of solidifies it, but like the blockbuster season, if you want to call it, which uh, traditionally started in, you know, like mid-May through pretty much ended around August, early August, is really like expanding and, and moving forward. I mean, at the end of this month, on the 23rd, I believe we get Pacific Rim 2. And then yeah. the week following, we get Ready Player One. And then now, two weeks later, we get Rampage. And two weeks later, we get Avengers. And then, I mean, then it's just full force Deadpool solo. So the blockbuster season is starting uh, two weeks from now, essentially. Yeah. It's really, uh, I mean, really expand. And if you want to include Black Panther, it started a couple weeks ago. Because, <laughs> I mean, that was pretty recent. So that whole summer uh summer blockbuster era is kind of slowly slowly expanding and coming to an end it seems yeah and i think i mean i think it started kind of with star wars and it was right. a way it was a way to target like kids and younger audiences you know cuz obviously they're not in school but with all the ways to access that content now I just think, you know, the physical theater release is not what it used to be. Obviously, they're still making tons of money, but it really doesn't need to be this seasonally timed thing that it, you know, what used to be. It used to make a lot of great sense when that was the only way you could see a movie to really try to time that up as well with your audience as possible. But it's just not really as relevant as it used to be. Yeah. I mean, Disney's yeah. been a big, big player in, in changing this blockbuster timeline i mean if you think about it like they they started taking over december with star wars so that's a big blockbuster time um the may release has always been disney's and there's always a marvel movie in may last year last year was guardians you avengers is always in may whenever an avengers comes out and then even like usually the biggest downtime in big blockbuster big budget movies was uh the fall with like oscar season stuff but there's usually a Marvel movie in November. This year was yeah, Thor, Thor, Ragnarok. Uh, last year was, um, I, I think there was some Marvel movie last year. I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's usually something. So Disney likes, I mean, Disney has to spread around. It's their own movies. They don't really want them competing with each other, which is also why I think Avengers moved up. They want to give, they don't want it to strangle Solo. I mean, if they release it on May 4th, Solo comes out three weeks later, like Avengers is still going to be going strong, especially if Black right. Panther's any indication. So, Yeah. Thank God for Movie Pass. <laughs> I know. Right? This is about <laughs> really to be a pricey time. 
yeah, I mean, we'll be going. Uh, I'll be going uh, like once a week for the rest of the summer, essentially now. At yeah, least, at least, yeah. Because yeah. if you <laughs> miss one week, just to that's stay it. up to date. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, even just getting the. Sorry, go. You got to also keep your keep your head on a swivel for the little stuff that sneaks in there. Uh, like, when's that? Uh, when's a quiet place coming out? Is that are they trying to sneak that in the summer somewhere? Or is that, fall? that is that is in the summer. I think I I don't know exactly when, but that is yeah. in the summer. Um, yeah, you got to be yeah. be aware for the smaller stuff too. Yeah, I Very mean, true. Super Troopers Two comes out in the middle of April, also. Yeah, four twenty oh, wow. for all the stoners, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> lots of, lots of movie time. Yeah, so. It's going to be a busy, busy season for the the box office. That's for sure. Um, and in terms of rampage, uh, it it had to it had to move up a week. I mean, it can't go into its second week against Avengers. Like the biggest no, thing about Jumanji that. was it kept making money. It it was big on its first weekend, but it made so much because it kept making money. That would not happen if it went into Avengers and then into Deadpool and then into Solo. So. Giving it the extra weekend where it's really only going against Super Troopers, which has a like kind of more of a cult following, um, right. gives it a lot. It definitely gives it a lot more money. I mean, it's definitely just just makes them extra money moving that week up. So the only thing that could hurt it is Ready Player One, but uh, yeah. I'm excited for it. But honestly, early early hype about it has not been strong, so I don't think yeah. it's going to be like this major box office contender. Yeah. Yeah, for what I've been hearing, I'm not too certain about that. I yeah, I haven't you know I haven't heard anything about the movie itself. I just I've heard a lot of people's reactions to the trailers so far, and I read the book, so I'm very very excited for it. Okay, yeah, um, I haven't read the books. The yeah, book. I, I've read the book, which makes me super excited for it. I honestly haven't been like the biggest fan of the trailers either, but that hasn't that hasn't like dialed down my excitement just because I think you know it's pretty. It's pretty uh, good material for Spielberg to adapt, so I think the movie itself will be good. But mm-hmm. um, with with early reactions to the trailers and whatnot, I don't I don't think that's going to be a movie that's like dominating the box office for a week on end. So I think you know I think gotcha. The Rock can handle handle competing with that after a couple weeks. Yeah, and The Rock's big enough now; he can get like a certain amount of people just to go to a movie because he's in it. Honestly, at this point. Yeah, which that used to be Spielberg, which Ready yeah. Player One would be dealing with, but he doesn't have that pull anymore. The Rock does, so they're definitely. It's Imagine smarter that. To, <laughs> yeah, it's smarter to compete with. Uh, definitely smarter to compete with Ready Player One than it is with the Avengers. That's for damn sure. Yeah, you're not competing with Avengers, like a big Avengers no. movie like this. You're not. Yeah. No, you lose that. You lose that battle, and Avengers yeah. is going to dominate the box office until probably until Solo. I mean, Deadpool will do great too, but that's kind of yeah. You know that's rated that's rated R, so it loses something there. But it's different. Yeah, um, yeah I don't think Avengers different. will have a big drop off until Solo. So, right. Man, um, what a year for Disney. Jeez, <laughs> it's just gonna keep happening, man. It's just as they just keep building up Star Wars and building up Marvel. They just they announced made a ridiculous just, amount. Yeah, and this is a, like a separate story, months. but. Uh, they already uh, they just announced like six new Marvel untitled Marvel movies for yeah. 2021 and 2022. Like they're just going after a whole other phase is out there. They like, boom, push it out. Why not? Yeah. And then the Star Wars will be the same thing. So yeah, Disney's yeah. always. And then of course we're moving on to some other Disney movies here, which uh, also drawing crowds for a different a different reason. But we had a couple uh, we had a couple trailers come out 
uh, with the Oscars. Well, one of them came out with the Oscars. The other one I don't think did. I think came out uh, the day after. But uh, Mary Poppins the, or Mary Poppins Returns uh, dropped their first teaser with uh, starring Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins. Um, and uh, you know, I was never, I was never the biggest Mary Poppins fan as a kid, so this teaser didn't do anything for me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts, Bozeman? What did you feel about Mary Poppins as a child, and if you're excited for this? Um, I didn't love Mary Poppins, but I do love Julie Andrews, um, especially in Sound of Music and uh, her later performance in The Princess Diaries with Anne Hathaway. Um, that was so, a classic. Yeah. So, I mean, she she's an amazing actress and has a big place in film history for sure from those two films. So I... Uh, I think Emily Blunt's going to do really well with it. I don't know about like the singing parts of it as like genuine of a performance as that will be like Julie Andrews in her time. Like she was probably the best musical actress of all time. Like in her, like she could legitimately sing and she was a dancer and a performer. Like that was her background. So Emily Blunt is much more of a serious actress and has really nailed a lot of great dramatic and action kind of roles. Um, but she has done she has done musical performances. She is she is a talented singer. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm, I'm excited to see that kind of performance from her again. Um, versus like I think what she's become famous for. I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, I mean I th- I think she's going to do really well, and it, it'll be entertaining. It's probably not something I'll see in the theater necessarily, but it could be you know worth my time at some point. Mm-hmm. Alexa. Mm-hmm. You're looking, I remember looking at like the cast list for this movie way back when it was, not way back, but when it was first released and I first saw it and I was kind of, I was, well, hadn't no either strong feelings, but seeing the teaser trailer, I kind of like the cast for it. I think they did, a, they look like the part, Mary Poppins wasn't a huge part of my childhood, but I think I've seen the movie a couple of times through some, not like the most avid Mary Poppins fans, but I think I got, I think it had like the genuine feel of Mary Poppins to it as best they could and i I'll, I'll give it a watch you know i definitely think it's going to be a a better of the as it is it says it, it's going to be a sequel right it's not a reboot it is like, a sequel uh is it a sequel i think it okay. takes place 50 50 years later out of 15 i don't know okay uh it is it is a sequel though okay yeah no i, I think it would um, do good i'm definitely gonna i think i'm gonna watch it for sure yeah, I, I mean, I'll definitely check it out. I I love I love Emily Blunt. I think yeah, she's great in every everything I've seen her in. I really like Emily Blunt. Um, I just yeah, I just I didn't have the biggest appreciation for Mary Poppins before this, uh, but in terms of just a new experience for me, I think Emily Blunt's great. I think visually it looks great. Um, Lynn Manuel Miranda is doing from who created Hamilton is doing all the music, so you know there's probably going to be some creativity there. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of talent. The music there. will probably be good. Yeah, there's there's a lot of talent. They they pieced it together pretty well with the cast and and behind the scenes. So I'm sure it'll be good. This was a quick teaser, so obviously didn't give us much. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure bigger Mary Poppins fans are wondering which uh, original songs they're gonna keep in there, if any. I don't I don't have a guess for that. I don't know. Um, because so. they seem like to like to cut some of the original songs nowadays in these movies. Which is kind of yeah. Boring. I mean, I'm sure for the most part, especially because they're going the sequel route instead of a remake, that it's going to be a lot of new songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Mary Poppins, the original, is a very 
very well-loved movie by most people. So there is kind of that aspect of not wanting to to try to redo what they already did. That's good point. Um, so who knows? Yeah. I'm sure we'll get a better better sense for it with a, a full length. Um, but Disney also released a trailer for Christopher Robin. Uh, now this is much more up my alley. Starring Ian McGregor. Uh, we are revisiting a adult Christopher Robin who uh, is tasked with having to fire a bunch of people from his company and then encounters, once again, Winnie the Pooh, who he hasn't seen since childhood. Now, I I grew up with Winnie the Pooh. I love Winnie the Pooh. I am so excited for this movie. It was a very brief look, and we only got to see Pooh Bear instead, and not none of the other animals, but uh, they got uh, Jim Cummings, the original voice actor for Winnie the Pooh, back, and when he spoke in that trailer, I was already tearing up. I was already ready to go. Yeah, I think I'm going to have like a Toy Story 3 level reaction to it, probably like uh, same thing, big time nostalgia with it. And I really like the sort of a hook style approach to it mm-hmm. of, you know, the the grown man with grown man problems, sort of revisiting his childhood fr- fantasies and when life was a little bit easier and simpler. And, you know, we're not too deep in our lives yet, but I think at our age, we can relate to that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I was happy. Um, I was happy they didn't go the the direction of. I was a little concerned they were going to take the direction of like Christopher Robin kind of being like a little bit of a dick, and like had to regain that sense of childhood wonder. Um, but he's clearly not. He's clearly still a very very good person. He doesn't. He definitely does not want to fire these people. He tells his boss he wanted to spend the weekend with his family and his daughter. So he's still clearly a very loving man, which I mm-hmm. think is good, but he's just dealing with the stresses of an adult life. And that's where Pooh Bear comes in handy. You know, I also, I love the effects. I love that they went for like the realistic Pooh Bear look. Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, uh, I, I, I online really reading reactions to this. A lot of people wanted something more like, like Ted, which I just, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see that working with Winnie the Pooh, like CGI wise, I, I kind of like the more realistic approach. Because uh, yeah, that's how the stuff. original bear looked, like Winnie the Pooh bear looked somewhat closer to like how he looked in the movie, right? Or the trailer. Uh, I mean, old Winnie the Pooh was a pure hand-drawn animation, so not really. But I mean, the, the Pooh bears that you'd like buy in the store, that's what they looked like. Yeah, I mean, I meant, you know? I, that's what I was talking about. Like the, like oh the yeah, yeah. If you, doll, the original, if you like, owned your doll, own Pooh Bear, like, you know? that's that's exactly yeah. what it looked like. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, what that's what definitely. I instantly what I thought of when I saw him. Like they finally did the Pooh reveal in the trailer. Yeah. So I anyone think, uh, that owned a Pooh Bear, which I did, like that's that's what your Pooh Bear looked like. I think Tigger is going to be really hard. Like if they're going to do it in that sort of style, like I, I'm a little bit worried about how cartoonish it gets you know with with that character in particular well they got so chris o'dowd is the voice actor for tigger and i'm not i don't have a problem with chris o'dowd um but i i don't see that as a good fit for tigger i know he's a little goofier what's interesting to me is i believe and I, i could be wrong i'll double check but i believe jim cummings did tigger's voice also in the original 
Hmm. Um, I think, he, so I think I you're right. Kinda, he did a couple pieces. I was just kind of wondering why he would come back to do Pooh Bear and they didn't just also <coughs> get him to do Tigger. Um, yeah, I, maybe they want a little bit more star power or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it's to flesh out the, the cast so they can yeah. put it on a poster with all these different guys doing different. Because um, Peter uh, Catapaldi is doing, uh, I think. Piglet. Owl, right? No. Uh, oh, Piglet? I think Piglet. Uh, there's that. Uh, there's that weird looking. There's that weird looking short British guy. He's doing Owl. I forget what his name is. I can't really think of anything else he's been in. Did you see Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy? Mm-hmm. He's. It's the. It's like the really odd looking short guy with like bug eyes, kind of. Oh, from uh, from Civil War or uh, Winter Soldier, the the Hydra. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. what is what is is his name? Oh, Toby Toby Jones. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's playing Owl, okay. I think. Oh. Huh. If I remember the cast list okay. correctly. Okay. Well, yes, you're correct. I I just pulled it up here. You are right there. Uh Brad Garrett's doing Eeyore, so that's a great choice. Um, yeah, I think that'll work well. Um yeah, Peter Peter Cap, uh, Capaldi is uh Rabbit. Not Piglet. Or yeah, Piglet is Nick Muhammad. I don't know who that is. Wait, who's Rabbit? Am I like missing? Am I forgetting an entire Pooh Bear character? Yeah, Rabbit. Yeah, Rabbit. I don't yeah, the rabbit. serious one. Yeah, Rabbit's oh, the uptight one. Oh, you're okay. Okay, yeah, Owl, Tigger, Rabbit, Eeyore. Okay, yeah. So I imagine Chris O'Dowd is just filling out the cast list. Um, Jim Cummings is pretty old too, so maybe that definitely limited his uh, in studio time that they needed him for. If he's just doing Pooh Bear and not two characters, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think it looks really good. Ian McGregor, I always always love, so can't say anything against him being in the movie. I think that's great as Christopher Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited. Can't wait to see a full length trailer though to see some of the other some of the other characters. See how they look. Heartwarming. Oh, yeah, yeah, heartwarming. It's definitely going to be a tearjerker. That's for damn sure. Tears will be shed in this film. Mark Forster is the director. That is, uh, I didn't, I honestly completely forgot about that. That's an interesting directing choice. But he's done some, he's done some good stuff. Uh, most recently, he did World War Z, which is a big departure. But, uh, I did enjoy World War Z, so as a as a good film. Yeah, can't blame him for that. All right, so uh, wow, look at that! Because leading into our next story here well, is about yeah. World War Z two, and that was by pure coincidence that this is just no. Happened. We planned it. We planned all of these coincidences. <laughs> it's a lot of, of work. Goes we try to make it sound guys. like a surprise. Yeah, yeah but, it's uh, a planned coincidence. <laughs> um, so World War Z two has been delayed which was initially supposed to start production this year for a release next year. Um, but it's been delayed. There's no starting point so that Brad Pitt can film Quentin Tarantino's next film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, so they'll start production on that after Tarantino's film is done. But David Fincher is staying involved. He he wants to make this movie, so he's not he's not leaving. Whether he does something in between, that's a whole different story. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I'm just glad to hear David Fincher staying involved. I'm super, super curious what a what a zombie David Fincher movie will look like. So at least with this right. delay, 
at least he's that clearly that interested in the movie. Like he wouldn't stay he wouldn't stay attached to a year long delay for a film if he didn't if he wasn't a little passionate about it. So yeah, this is delay. Honestly, though, the first few that I don't have any issues with really, you know, it's all kind of positive stuff. It's like okay, they want to do the movie right. The same people staying involved. There's no real controversies. Just you know, one of the act the main actors has something else first. A movie has to do first. So once he's done, he go back and do it. You know. Yeah, I mean, more often than not, those. Yeah, more often than not, those delays end up like, oh, Brad Pitt wants to do this movie, so David Fincher left, so we hired this guy on budget, yeah, because we already spent so much money in pre-production, so the movie just ends up being terrible. So, yeah, sounds like we'll just get two great Brad Pitt movies in the next couple years with this. So, yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. I'll wait as much as I want to see a a sequel to War War Z. I'll wait for for a good one. And at least we're waiting because of a Brad Pitt Tarantino film, you know? Yeah. Like, we're going to get an incredible movie in the meantime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. not waiting for uh, War Machine or whatever that was called. Oh, yeah, the the Netflix one? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, then David Fincher might walk. Like, he probably also respects Tarantino enough where he's like, yeah, Brad, you can go do a Tarantino movie. I'm not going to stop you from doing that. Yeah. Right. Last Tarantino-Brad Pitt collaboration we got is probably one of my if not my favorite tarantino movie with inglorious bastards so yeah much hated <laughs> which <laughs> that's a different I discussion like, i feel like it goes either way but yeah no i love inglorious bastards so uh yeah um, i um i yeah i'm definitely excited for a sequel because from what i've from what i've read about the production and also the actual final result of the first film I think a lot got left on the table conceptually and I'm excited to see, like, I haven't, I haven't read the book, but from what I understand, there's a lot more to it um, than what made it into the movie. Right. Um, yeah. It's actually uh, written by Mel Brooks's son, uh, which is interesting. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm really excited to see a, a sequel and maybe flesh out a lot of it more. Cause like the, if I remember correctly, the book takes place over like a decade. So like it really the book's a collection of uh, short stories within right. that world. Yeah, yeah. So it really it really plays out the and that I mean that was fine for the first film that it does kind of show like hey this is happening you know and that that sense of urgency throughout the film was good but I am excited to maybe see a little bit more into the future of you know how that really plays out that all those things have happened over you know five ten years yeah absolutely mm-hmm. i mean yeah. the the biggest complaint i heard about the first one because i really i really liked the first movie I, I think it had it had some issues um it wasn't perfect but i really enjoyed it uh, most of the complaints i heard were from people that read the books or the book uh that di- didn't like the because it was it was completely different from the book it kind of took the world and made one singular story instead of the book's kind of more into like the um i don't know the term but like the the personal struggles that people went through in that world not in it wasn't an action book of any sort um so almost like a history book really yeah yeah Yeah. it's kind of explaining what's happening in the different parts of the world without like having someone running or fighting off zombies for 200 pages but um so i understand why they're upset about that but i don't think a lot of those people could look past that to to enjoy the movie on its own because um, I do think it was a well-made movie. But 
I since Fincher got attached, I've been super excited for the sequel. I mean, I always can't wait to see what David Fincher does. The only surprising thing about this is that this will be this will be a huge time gap for David Fincher between movies. If he doesn't do something in between, which at this point, unless he's been in pre-production on something or he could jump into something else, yeah, he, that he we doesn't just have don't time. About. He doesn't have time to do something else in between. Yeah. Um, so his last movie was Gone Girl, which was yeah, uh, I don't even that was 14, that was quite 13? a few years ago now. Yeah. 13? Yeah. yeah. 14, no, it wasn't 14. 13. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, 2014. So 14. it's it's already been I believe this is November. So it's going to be four years this fall. Um, so by the time this comes out, it'll be almost six years. Yeah. So that's a huge gap for David Fincher, who's one of the top directors of our time. So that kind of stinks because I always want to see his next thing. I, I kind of feel like maybe he'll find a project to jump into. Maybe something that he really likes but lost the director or something that he can, uh, I don't know, deal with pre-production quickly. That's a tough, I mean, there's stuff out there. but Just let him do Alien 3 again. <laughs> <laughs> just Just restart. I mean, he like he's David Fincher also. So if there is a project out there that he's been interested in, that is kind of struggling, he could always jump in without much time. But right, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we'd have to hear something about that soon because if this is going to be Brad Pitt's next movie, Tarantino's is going to finish filming this year. So we'll see. But uh, all right. So um. Moving on to a story we discussed last week. Uh, Danny Boyle, who was rumored to be the new option for Bond director, um, the the writer for Trainspotting, was helping write the script with Danny Boyle, and he was going to take over as director, Uh, has recently signed with Universal for a new musical comedy movie from uh, Richard Curtis, the writer Richard Curtis, uh, which they're saying is his next project. So this conflicts a little bit with him doing Bond. Uh, James Bond was supposed to start production this year because they want to get that out. So, I mean, the options here are either this isn't Danny Boyle's next very next project or Bond waits for him or they find a new director. So I don't know which route they're going to go. I kind of feel like this just means Danny Boy is not going to direct the next Bond movie. What do you think? Unfortunately, it looks that way. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a logical conclusion. Um, I don't. It, it. The weird thing is, like you said, I don't think there's really any urgency to this new project. But at the same time, it does seem weird that it's like set in stone. Like, yeah, that thing's happening, but Bond isn't. Like, nobody stepped up to say that either. But then at the same time, Bond has to happen relatively soon, you know. So timing wise, I I just don't see how it can work. Yeah, they're not they're not gonna wait. They're not gonna wait for Danny Boyle because there's already big gaps between Bond movies, and they already got Daniel Craig to agree to one last Bond movie. They keep dragging their legs; they're gonna lose Daniel Craig's interest. Um, right, and they're gonna lose audience interest. They can't. They can't just drag this on forever. Like, it's not a quick turnaround for making a film. So they they wait for him. That could be an extra two years that they or a year maybe 
but yeah. most likely two that they're waiting to get Bond 25 out. So, And Daniel Craig's not getting any younger. I mean, the big no, problem right. for moving on is that he's a little too old for Bond now. So what are you going to do? You're going to wait two more years for him to be even older and grumpier yeah. about playing this role? Yeah. Um, yeah. So There's a big time I doubt they're gonna. Yeah, I doubt they're going to wait for Boyle. So, I mean... If, Maybe Boyle Dan- does the start from scratch one. Yeah, which I mean, maybe that's something they talked about, like him kind of holding off on this one. Maybe he wants, which I wouldn't be surprised. Danny Boyle has his own vision. Uh, he has a very unique take on things. So maybe he, they really want him, but he wants to start with a new actor and a new and really refresh the Bond series, which I haven't thought about that, but that is actually probably a strong possibility. What do you think, Alexon? Yeah, I'm. I agree. I feel like this dude's or this other movie he's doing is a clear sign that he's not going to be doing any like thing for Bond twenty five, and that they have to push out a Bond soon because like they, you know, like you all the points you guys made so far, you know, reasons why they can't wait. So I, I mean, I will hope that that means he's he'll be involved in like the next Bond iteration because this is Daniel Craig's last Bond movie. So. I wouldn't be upset at that, but I will hesitate to see who they, if we hear any news of them getting a new director, them shopping around for new directors for Bond 25. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I was really excited for Danny Boyle to come on to Bond. I really, I really like Danny Boyle as a director. Um, if uh, Bozeman, if you're right and he wants to start over after Daniel Craig and still do a Bond, then uh, then. You know, I'm all for that. Like, as long as we get a Danny Boyle Bond film, I'm happy uh, because I don't think they'll have trouble finding a talented director to do Daniel Craig's last film. I don't think that's an issue they'll have. Um, like, say what you will about uh, Spectre, but Sam Mendes is an incredibly talented director. So it's not like Very they had good. some hack director making yeah. that, that film or Skyfall. Um, it's James Bond. There's always people lining up. Right. But, uh, I just would be a little surprised if um, if they like – I mean, I'm sure – I forget his name, uh, but the the writer of Train Spotting, who's helping write the script for Bond 25, I'm sure if he finishes that up and uh, they love that script and really want Danny Boyle, that he can't rearrange the schedule for this new comedy. Um, like, I doubt this is Universal's biggest priority where they're like, we need to push this out right now. So – I think it could still change. I mean, it could. They could still convince Danny Boyle with a, a sack load of money to come do Bond first, and then do this comedy. Um, it was just interesting timing. By uh, could have just been timing by Universal to try to announce it to kind of force Danny Boyle's hand. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Bond's so a big. It remains thing. to be seen. A lot of ways. No, I'll say what, what. What film would you rather have? Would you rather have this final Daniel Craig? Danny Boyle, if it's only going to be one, or would you want to see his vision from scratch? Ooh, ooh, that is tough. Um, I think uh, it might be a little biased because I heard the news of Danny Boyle doing it and got excited about that, but I think I would prefer him to do Daniel Craig's final movie. Yeah. Um, I think there's a little a little comfort in knowing it's one of my favorite directors, which he is. He's done some of my favorite movies. Um directing Daniel Craig, who's my favorite Bond in his last film. I think that's a great combo. 
Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Daniel Craig's kind of dry sense of humor in some of the Bonds, like Skyfall and, and Casino Royale, is, it fits really, really well with Dan- Danny Boyle. Um, I think it'd be a good combo. But I wouldn't be upset if Danny Boyle started a new Bond. So, Yeah. That's tough. It's a good question. Yeah, that is that is tough. But um, and of course, it, it depends on uh, if he didn't do Daniel Craig's final one, who they pick up. I mean, if they end up picking up someone shitty, then obviously we will forever ask the question of what could have been. Yeah. Um. Well, hopefully we learn more about that soon because Bond uh, Bond twenty five is going to have to start going to production sometime this year. So. Should get some more news on that sometime soon. Um, so moving along here, we got uh, Netflix announced a new superhero movie, which I believe is uh, their first foray into superhero films. They've done plenty of television. Uh, but they have a vigilante superhero movie called Past Midnight, which will be starring Keanu Reeves, who recently signed on. Um, the Russo brothers from Marvel fame, uh, Civil War directors, Avengers, Infinity War directors are producing and Rick, uh, Famayua, the director of dope will be directing the movie. So what, uh, what do you make of this Alexon? Pretty good lineup right there for good, uh, Netflix film. I know Netflix had, has had his issues with this films has been doing in the past and we talked about that in previous episodes but i think looking at this that lineup it looks like a pretty good start i'm very excited to see what comes you know one more like keanu reeves i love him and john wick i feel like that could really be a reignition to his career and i hope that like he continues on because he still has it you know clearly and john wick like one and two he did an amazing job and a heavy action role so I'd like to see more from coming back in like the limelight of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bozeman? Uh agree completely. Very excited for this team to get together. Um, I don't think it's really what you would think of like off the top of your head for either of these three entities to interact with each other on Netflix to make this kind of movie, but um yeah, really excited about it. I like the title. Uh, my dad always told me that nothing good happens past midnight. So um, <laughs> I'm hoping that'll be like the opening line of the film or something Keanu Reeves says at some point. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I hope that this is like the first real classic Netflix movie that is. I don't. I'm going to tell you right now, and I hope this is fulfilled. I don't care what critics say about it. I, I'm just pretty sure that I'm going to love this movie. And I'm glad that it's on Netflix because, you know, I can just watch it whenever. And I just really hope it lives up to that. Yeah, I, um, I'm very excited for this too. I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you, Bozeman. I, I'm fully, fully convinced I'm going to love this movie no matter what. (laughs) Uh, I know we haven't gotten a lot of information about it, but I'm getting a very, uh, kind of kick-ass, uh, Rampart vibe from what this is going to be. Yeah, and I'm hoping it sticks to that, like kind of a darker, violent, high violence. Yeah, high violence, like because they use the term vigilante, and uh, you know, technically most superheroes are vigilantes. Spider-Man's a vigilante. So the fact that they use that usually means it's more of a more of a violence, like yeah, also against the the police type of thing. So I'm hoping for that. Um, 
you know, obviously Kick-Ass is like very comedic as well. I don't think this won't be, but maybe a, a little more serious than that kind of thing. But um, I, yeah, I love Keanu Reeves. Uh, a lot of people think he's a terrible actor, which wrong is wrong. Yeah, he wrong. doesn't have he doesn't have a lot of range, but the roles he signs on to play are perfect for the range he does have. So he's smart. Like, no, he can't do certain roles that require this extensive range of acting skills, but like he's perfect for Neo. He's perfect in John Wick. That's what the character calls for. So if he signed on to this movie, then I fully believe that he thinks he has the capabilities for this role, and I'm very excited to see that because I, he's never he hasn't really let me down often. Um, no, he's delightful. I love Constantine. People hate yeah. on that movie. Oh, I love because maybe because it's too. different from the comics, but I love that movie, and I think he's yeah. perfect for that role. Matrix they, is one of my favorite movies of all time. He's perfect for that role. Did they so, already cancel the TV show of that Constantine? Yeah, yeah. they canceled that quickly. Yeah. It just doesn't work. People, people just don't. I don't know. I, same thing. It's like for me that the movie is a cult classic. Me and my dad watch that all the time. You know, it just there's certain things that like just strike a chord with you, I guess. And I just thought it was really cool, and I always wanted to see more of it. Just like that world, you know. Like people, people have done so many different versions of like angels and demons and devils and stuff like that. And like I just I thought that was a really cool take on it. And yeah. yeah. It was a good movie. It was a really good movie. I, yeah. I, I enjoy it. I, if it's on like FX or something, I'll probably I'll watch it for 15, 20 minutes. You know, if I'm just. Oh, yeah, channels. That's, that's that's one of those movies. That I'll just if I see it on TV, I'll watch it. Um, yeah. Even every now and then, I think it was on Netflix for a while. If I was like really bored scrolling and I scrolled across that, I would usually just put that on. You know, it's one of yeah. those fun times. Um, but yeah, Keanu Reeves, he picks really, really smart roles like the guys. Yeah. The guy's not yeah. an idiot. He knows his capabilities. And when he picks a role, it's usually something that is worth his time and that people end up liking. Um, I'm having I'm having trouble thinking of a movie that was just critically or universally hated that he made. I mean, he made like The Lake House, but... That made a lot of money. But yeah, women loved that movie. It made <laughs> a lot of money. It was still a smart a pick if you think about it. Um so yeah, I don't know. I mean, come on, the man made speed. People are obsessed with speed. Like uh, people just knock like knock this man as an actor, but love his movies. The Matrix is considered one of the best movies of all time. But point people break. want to tell say Keanu uh, Point Break considered one of the best movies out there. And people talk about how bad of an actor he is. Like, well then, don't love his movies. Like yeah, I, I how, just how, you how can't go both ways. Yeah. <laughs> He has like several um, now, cult classics under his belt. That's pretty impressive for any actor to have, yeah. you know. And, and now recently, like obviously, both John Wicks are are universally loved. I mean, they're both. I love them so so much. Oh, right, Hardball! Yeah. How could we forget? That's probably Hardball. his best like actual go. acting job. He was pretty damn good in that. Uh, didn't uh, Devil's Advocate even win some? It won some awards. I don't know if it was Oscars, but. Yeah. And he's got a lot. He's got a lot of movies, a lot of films that people just absolutely love. So, Street Kings, kind of, I enjoyed that. I thought that I enjoyed. Was cool. I enjoyed Street Kings too. Also, right up his alley, like that character yeah. made sense for him. You know, maybe I'd criticize him if he started going into films that just were not what he can do acting wise. And but he doesn't do that. He either has a really smart agent or he himself knows what he's capable of. And 
just annoys me. It annoys me people criticizing him constantly, but then also claiming some of their favorite movies are movies that he is the star. Seems uh, silly. I will say 47 Ronin is probably one of the worst things I've ever seen. I, I'll knock him for that one. I agree. I agree. But <laughs> if you if you, uh, if you you actually look into the production of that movie, none of that was his fault. He actually no, wanted to no. be... He actually wanted to be a side character, like a background character to that. And it was yeah. all about the, the Asian characters and the real story yeah. from the comics. And the producers wouldn't have it. Yeah, they, they re-edited it. it. They took it away from him and they ruined it. He wanted to make it this true to the comic story. So not his fault, but still a bad movie. I will give yeah. you that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm excited for this movie. Should be should be a lot of fun. Let's um, go. All right, so we got a we got another flick here coming, one that I think a lot of people are familiar with, uh, but a brand new Terminator movie yes. is starting <sighs> filming this summer for a 2019 uh. release date, most likely t- summer 2019, uh, being directed by Tim Miller of Deadpool fame, uh, and starring Arnold Schwarzenegger once again. So the the twist around this one is just like Terminator Genesis. They are starting fresh. They're disregarding some of these sequels. So this will take place after T2 and uh, ignore the rest of the Terminator universe. What do you make of all this? Uh, it's, it's wonderful. And I hope I just... Tim Miller, Tim Miller knows his stuff, and he's with Arnold, and I'm sure Arnold's very excited you know, to be making this movie again. And uh, I hope he lets him cuss and shoot people. And I hope we get the violence back. I think people really, I think a lot of people say they saw the original Terminator, but probably didn't, you know, I think that's probably one of the most like lied about movies ever, as far as people actually seeing it, because everybody knows how good Terminator 2 is. But Terminator is a very violent movie. The first one, like he kills, he kills an entire police station at one point. Like, I want to see, I want to see him get back to that. Like he's a fucking killing machine. That's the point of the character. Yeah. And that's been to me. That's been the problem with all the rest. Is like, I think the the biggest problem with Terminator Three is that they thought the best part of Terminator Two, and this is probably true about Terminator Two, the best part was Arnold versus the Liquid Terminator. And yes, that was a lot of fun. But they took that too far in Terminator Three. Like, I wasn't that excited to see him fight her three, four, five different times. Don't care. Like, it needs to get back to a much tighter, focused, traditional, like, action movie. Like, mm-hmm. what I liked best about Terminator 2 is that most of the time, it just didn't really matter that, like, it was... it The sci-fi elements were almost a little downplayed. Like, yeah, they both got to that present time through a time warp bubble and all of this stuff. And clearly, he's a machine throughout. But, like, it's really... It's pretty much a straightforward action movie. And that that like that's what I enjoy so much about the first two. And definitely the problem with Genesis is it gets way too in the weeds with the science fiction time travel stuff and has lost all of its entertainment straightforward value by that film. Um, and same thing with uh, Salvation. I thought the best parts of Salvation were some of the set design, production design, action pieces. Um, the acting was good, but... You know, the story elements, the last third of that movie with uh, um, Helena Bonham Carter and the machine face voice and CGI Arnold, like all that crap sucks. You know, like 
Terminator's yeah. got to get back to its roots and and do what made it great in the first place. And I hope that this film can do that. Yeah, you know, I actually I I didn't think about uh, one point that you just I mean your main point mostly, which I completely agree with that uh, the first two really didn't focus on that sci-fi element. Um, you know, like, yes, in the first one, he goes into a police station and just brutally murders everyone, which was the my favorite scene of the first movie. Um, but he, he doesn't necessarily need to do that for this one because he didn't in the second one, obviously, because he was a good guy. Um, but I agree, like, some of the best scenes in the second one are, like, you know, him driving down the highway in that truck and, like, cocking that shotgun with one hand and and shooting the... the um, uh, I, the T, the evil Terminator. I don't know his his serial number. T one thousand. T one thousand. That's what I thought it was. Uh, so shooting him and, and cocking that shotgun like one handed was really, like the most badass scene. I remember that so vividly as a kid watching that. Yeah, um, yeah. None of the none of the action scenes were really sci fi based. I mean, even when he was using his uh, liquid metal shit, he was usually killing someone in a non action sequence scenario. Right. Um, when they're fighting, yeah, they're usually just chasing and shooting and doing things that we see in Die Hard. Um, so I completely agree. I've never really, I've honestly never really made that connection as to why it kind of started to go downhill after Terminator 3, which I still enjoyed Terminator 3 because I, I do like the world that they built um, of the of Terminator, but Terminator 3 is like significantly worse than 1 and 2. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. right. One and two are two of what I think two of the best movies out there. Um, two in particular. Three is more in the category of yeah, I was I was very entertained by Terminator Three. That's entertaining. It. There's nothing more sorts. to it. Yeah, yeah, and um, and uh, Christian Bale's Terminator Salvation again, I found it entertaining. I liked it. I did like some of the world building, but it was kind of dumb in the end. And uh, Genesis was a piece of a piece of trash, garbage, um, pure garbage. <laughs> yeah, I, I just pure garbage. I still can't believe it was released. Yeah, I, I don't know how that went through uh, production. A full production company got passed. I don't think I've seen that whole movie yet. Came out. The, well, don't. There's no point. Yeah, no, it's no. about to be. It's about to be retconned. It's it's. Pure It'll trash. just piss you off. Yeah, it's 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 pointless to watch. Um, and the trailer gave away the entire story anyway, so just watch the trailer. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I didn't go see it because I was protesting because of that. I yeah, because the, the trailer, trailer gave the whole story away. I watched I the trailer it. and thought that, but then I was like, well, clearly the movie has to have some more twists than that. Because Nope. But watch the movie. It's like, nope. Nope. That's the movie. <laughs> Fake news. Um, so, yeah. No, that's a very good point, Bozeman, that uh, they do need to no, kind yeah. of go away from the sci-fi elements. And if it's going to be based after Terminator 2, maybe that's their plan. It, it just depends on how close after Terminator 2. Because um, Linda Hamilton is also coming back, which I forgot Oh, to wonderful. Great. Um, so Sarah Connor's back. But, you know, both her and Arnold are very old, so I guess they're either de-aging, which is the new the new fad these days, for the whole or, movie, you think? I, yeah, yeah I don't know. Do that. that's, I mean, that's the question. That's tough to do. That's expensive. Yeah. So yeah, perfect is it's either put in that the or it, yeah, or it does take place farther up the road. But then you know, then it's a, a full blown adult John Connor, um, and Sarah Connor's like seventy years old at that point. I mean, she's got story wise, she's old. Yeah. 
Um, so I love I love Lena Headley as um, Sarah Connor in the Chronicles oh, show. Yeah. That was a criminally was underrated TV show. Yeah, she really she yeah. got the she got the flair of the character very well. Yeah, what do you make of all of this, Alexon? Oh yeah, Bose made a, a point that like like you said, Jonathan. Like I didn't really think of how is Terminator's kind of moved away from its roots, and I was thinking my issue has been with like a salvation and I guess a little bit of Genesis. I mean, everything since like Terminator Two is just like I feel like they haven't caught like that magic of the original two and i'm hoping that like with this of them like not counting any of the the worst terminator movies and is going everything based off of one and two hopefully they're trying to get back to that original magic and flavor but yet they haven't caught it again i think they keep trying to but i'm hoping they learn from the previous mistakes and they go back to like what was it the roots of what the original two movies were about yeah i mean that's all i can really say i I mean, oh, the only thing—the only thing we haven't mentioned—is uh, that Tim Miller's directing, and uh, at least based on, at least based on Deadpool, he understands the material he's dealing with. So I'm, yeah. I'm yes, pretty confident. Critical. I'm pretty confident in him. Uh, and, and that's a uh, very positive strike in there. This completely slipped my mind. This is probably the biggest news of the whole the whole thing. Is uh, James Cameron is overseeing the story creation? Yes, he's a oh. he's a big part of it. He's produce, He's helping produce. And he's not directing, obviously, but he's he's overseeing the creation of the script and all that. And Terminator Two is James Cameron's baby. Like, yeah, that launched him into the, into fame. So the fact that he's personally involved, I really just don't think. I think the script, at least at the very least, the script is going to come out really polished and really good. So it's just up to Tim Miller at that point to execute, and I don't think that man has a problem with that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I all signs are good so far. So as yeah. as we all know, James Cameron doesn't do what James Cameron does for James Cameron. So <laughs> <laughs> James Cameron does what James Cameron does for James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Raising the bar as always. <laughs> To our listeners, <laughs> we're referencing South Park. I'm not talking, not talking gibberish. <laughs> um, yeah, so looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. Uh, so I guess so. We're, did you we're see? Out. Did you Sorry, see his little part that you remember that in uh, the Oscars commercial about like um, famous directors and film creators? Mm. Yeah, and it's just him him floating around in Pandora Land, just talking about how great it is. Like now, the funniest thing to me though is that commercial was a, a Rolex commercial. Yeah, and, I don't, it, it never that even must showed have a cost watch. them. It's just a bunch. Yeah, of, it's just a bunch of famous film directors. That must have cost them a lot of freaking money. Yeah. yeah, they got the the best of the best directors out there. Yeah. But also reminded me that James Cameron's wasting his next ten years of his life making Avatar movies. So, right. But yeah. when, like, when's it gonna come out? It's been, literally it's, like he's it's gonna waste more than ten years. I mean, they're scattered through. I, I think the the latest, the last one that he's planning on doing is like twenty twenty four at this point. Yeah. Whatever. Jeez. I I have. He's a waste of a director these days. I don't need more Avatar movies. Make nope. some more original shit. That's what you're known for. Yeah, he just he's just obsessed with it. 
He's obsessed. He got, and this happened to George Lucas, and that's how he got that dancing number in Return of the Jedi. George, the George got a little bit too obsessed we, with the song. We know what happens with obsession in these things, and I don't need to see more of it. So, Jesus. who knows? We might get some crazy dancing stripper numbers in Avatar oh. 2. Oh, I believe so. Avatar uh, yeah. strippers, huh? Right, let's go. Yeah, some yeah. dancing. Uh, what are they called? Nannies? Navis? Not, not, Nav- not, are they uh, Navis? Nani sounded right, but also at the same time doesn't sound right. I don't know. It it doesn't matter. It's terrible. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Um, so we got unobtainium. We'll finally move on to the our Oscar talk, which we kind of we've got derailed a little bit too long here, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> so Martin Scor- Martin Scorsese's uh, The Irishman is done filming. Finito, starting post production now. But uh, it is still scheduled for a late 2019 release. Um, this is pretty shitty news to me. I have been waiting for this movie for so, so long. I, I can verify that. I, I feel like you've been talking about this since I like met you. Right? I, I, <laughs> which I, I is, like the moment which you is, announced this, which was like six <laughs> years ago. <laughs> which is... Yeah, I, I I almost feel like he came up with the idea. Like you had the idea for this movie before it was actually made. I think he uh, he just got me drunk at a bar one night, took my idea, and I forgot I ever had. I came up with it. Yeah, never met the scores. Um, so yeah, late 2019. Uh, you know, the whole movie's the de aging stuff since a lot of it takes place in the past with Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci. So I understand that there's a big gap for CGI and all that, but. Come on, they could get it out. I know they want to go for an Oscar run, but they could get it out by December of this year if they wanted to. They could. And I'm not one to say rush it for the sake of rushing it, but I would say try to get it out by 2018. And if you can't, then delay it. But they're just full full on just saying, nope, 2019. I don't know. I don't like that. Yeah. I'm excited. That's for sure. Um, Yeah. I... Do you think it'll you think it'll still get any sort of theatrical run? Yes, they're doing they they've confirmed they're doing a couple weeks theatrical run. I okay. mean it has it has to go into a, a theater at some point to be considered for an Oscar, so at the very least. Really? That's still that's still a rule? Yeah. Oh. Um, but it is doing that, a full is, like couple weeks theatrical run, so it'll be all over the place. That's just for features though, right? Yes, yeah. Um that's just for features. Yeah. Shorts that's and all interesting. that is a different scenario that I do not know the the rules for. Yeah, because I, I this will lead us into our Oscar discussion, but uh, Icarus, I think that one documentary feature, that was a Netflix thing. I don't think that yes, ever that was. Yes, that was Netflix. Um, yeah, there, yeah, there's different rules different rules for documentary and shorts. Well, that's, and that's a that. stupid rule. But on the other hand, if it does encourage movies to have at least a little bit of a theatrical run, I'm in support of it. So I guess it's not that stupid. Well, for now, but I guarantee that rule will change in very few years. Yeah, streaming. it has to. That rule's that rule's done for very soon. Now, I actually had a thought today that I think that Netflix and Amazon and Hulu should all agree to do their own awards at some point. I don't know how they would agree to mm. host it, streaming maybe on a rotating awards, huh? basis, but yeah, I mean, if the oh. Oscars aren't going to play ball, they can just go ahead and wither away and die. How about that? You can die with your old studio system. Well, the problem is the Oscars are playing ball. I mean, Casey Affleck won Best Actor last year, and uh, Manchester by the Sea is an Amazon movie. Yeah, but it came out in the theaters. It did. 
Well, yeah, it, what and so did Beasts of No Nation very briefly, which yeah, it did. They were pushing. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, the the rules are they have to be in theaters, but it doesn't have to be in a lot of theaters. So usually it'll uh, go into like uh, Beasts of No Nation. I think went to like two or three in L.A., two or three in New York. I think those are the two cities it has to go to. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's, yeah, that's it. Big film. Ones that's where, that's, that's where 90% of the Academy voters are. So they put it in a theater or two in New York and LA and that covers, covers their bases and that's it. So that's what Beast of No Nation did. Manchester by the Sea actually went into a lot of theaters, but Amazon seems to always do that. Big Sick was their movie this year. Yeah. And that obviously was also a wide release. Amazon does the theatrical thing. Netflix does not. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Well, so, yeah, Irishman will be doing a theatrical run. It, uh, but uh, as of right now, they're saying it'll just be like a couple weeks. Um, are there any interesting uh, women or people of color that are in the Irishman cast? Um, Not that I know of. I mean, no. cast-wise, I've only, I've only really heard of, you know, everyone's talking about the fact that, obviously, De Niro, Pacino, and Joe Pesci are all in it. And maybe I wish they could get Margot Robbie to do her New York accent again. <laughs> that would be pretty pretty great. I'm always a fan yeah. of that. Maybe um, a, you I'm know, trying to remember because I read the I read the book that the Irishman's based on. Um, I heard you paint houses, uh, and there definitely are there definitely are black characters. I mean, it's the slums in New York for a lot of it. So obviously yeah. there are plenty of black characters. I'm just trying to think there there's any prominent characters that are. That would be like major characters in the movie. Yeah. Um, but as far as I remember, it was a while ago. I think most of those, most of the black characters are kind of come and go and very, very minor. So yeah, unlikely that the cast has any, any major names in terms of minorities. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm very excited. I, I want this movie so bad. So yes, it's just impatience that I want it this year, but I just don't <laughs> I don't think it can't be done by the end of this year. Who who knows? Maybe uh maybe, you know, by August they're like, Oh shit, we actually we probably can be finished this by December, so let's get it out. But maybe they're playing it safe. I don't know. It seems like it's not coming until twenty nineteen. I mean I'm sure they'll be done early twenty nineteen, but they're clearly gonna wait to release it for an Oscar run later in the year. So might not see this one for a while. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see it when we do get it. I'll say that. Yeah. Gonna the enthusiasm great. remains. Going to be great. At <laughs> least uh, at the very least, if they finish it up and still want to wait for a late 2019 release, that doesn't stop Scorsese from, starting his next project you know so yeah maybe that means we get a, the irishman and then a new scorsese uh, even one year later because i mean he usually takes his time between projects but they finish this up early early next year i still gotta can... see silence so do i Ooh, yeah, so do too. i i feel kind of i kind of feel ashamed that i haven't watched it yet to be honest yeah uh, I heard I, uh, lot, of it. it's got a lot of things i like qui-gon jen is in it qui-gon jen spider-man yeah, my favorites. <laughs> Two of my, my favorites, and, yeah. And uh, one of my favorite directors of all time, and I still have yet to watch it. I think the three-hour-plus timeline kind of scares me every now and then. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, I'm going to toss this story in real quick. 
we don't need to talk about it for long. I just want people to know. But in Practical Jokers, the show, they have a movie. They're making a movie. It's coming out. I love the Impractical Jokers. I don't know if you guys watch them. Do you guys watch them at all? Either of you? No. No. I have never seen, seen like an episode? a couple episodes of the show. I've seen a little bit. I'm not. Do you like, like a it? Huge it's, a fan. Fun, it's a riot. I, don't know, I watched, like, watched I a couple episodes and did one, not but crack I didn't up. find them too too funny. Oh boy! All right. Well, those guys put. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. So. Sounds so hurt. <laughs> I am a little hurt because I just don't know who couldn't find that stuff funny. It's just so such innocent fun, and oh man, they put me in tears sometimes. I'll tell you. So if you're a fan, that movie's coming. Um, so on to how our last official. Movie? What's that? I don't know. That's, I don't know how they're gonna make a movie of that. How would they make a movie? We don't have to. Huh? Did you ask how they would make a movie of that? Yeah, like what would the movie be about? Like, I would imagine about, the like, movie is just a, a an hour and a half extended episode of their show. Yeah, that's all I could think of. That for like a movie that would be my that, guess. But, huh. That would be my guess. I can't. I don't know what they could possibly do that wasn't that. Yeah, I hope it's that's what it is because I'd rather just see a very long version of their show than them try to do something weird, story related or movie related. Like I feel like that's when maybe it wouldn't be very good. But who knows? Yeah, we'll see. I just wanted people to know about know? it because I love plugging. Them. Who knows? <laughs> that's a good, a good point. <laughs> who knows? Um, so on to our last official story here, and then we will get into our Oscar discussion. So stay tuned, because that could be another four hours of discussion. Um, Andy Serkis was uh, talking recently about the character of Snoke from, as many know, Star Wars, Force Awakens, and Last Jedi. Uh, They were asking about his backstory, and he confirmed that, yes, him, J.J. Abrams, and Ryan Johnson all know Snoke's backstory. They've discussed it. They know the details of it, which a lot of people were very upset about Last Jedi not revealing those details. Um, he confirmed that Snoke is at least one to two hundred years old, at the very least, but wouldn't reveal anything more than that. Disney has asked him not to reveal anything else in in the case of a possible return for that character. Now. That return is not necessarily talking about episode 9. They're just saying in general for that character, they might utilize him more in the future, whether it's a book, a comic, a video game, movie, what have you. Um, But, I mean, it does lead to certain questions, and some people are starting to ask whether or not maybe this means he's coming back in episode 9. I don't think so. I think they're just playing their cards, you know, close to their chest. But uh, what do you make of it, Alexon? I, I I heard this also. I've been hearing like stories about like how much like Andy Serkis knows about this the Snoke backstory and the character, and I think they they're going to keep a lot of this stuff hidden until like episode nine. I would like them to. I'm pretty sure they will explore his backstory more, but I don't know. Like in what media will it take? Would it be a would it get his own book? Would it get a comic series? <clears throat> will it be hashed out fully in episode nine or like? You know, it's a lot of stuff that's left open. So I'm really excited to see what they do with it. And I don't know how, like, like I, 
I'm waiting for the day for Andy Serkis to really spill the beans, honestly, about like something big about Snoke. Cause it seems like he wants to say stuff, and he keeps like every time you hear anything about Snoke, like confirmed news is always through him. I do some interview of him, like telling something something and sleeping through when he talks. So I mm-hmm. I wonder how like Disney's gonna try to control him somewhat to like prevent him from like spilling anything else. Cause like so far all the big Snoke drops outside of the movies or anything has come from Andy Serkis. For pencil the tidbits that he's been releasing. You know, that's a uh that's a actually a, a really good point. Um I mean, uh on one hand, I think Andy Circus uh makes sure to get the backstory of his characters because he is a very devoted actor and and very yeah. focused on his characters. So I'm sure like, yes, when he's playing Snoke, he's like, I need to know the backstory so I, I know how to portray this character. Um but at the same time, you are right. Like he does seem to be very, very passionate about this character. He loves talking about him. He gets very excited about it. When you see him in interviews, he's like always like really pumped to talk about Snoke. Um, and we have, you're right. We have seen a lot of the news about Snoke. We have learned through Andy Serkis just yeah. kind of talking in these interviews. Because I mean, the man loves film, and it is so refreshing yeah. to see. But he does love these characters also. Which, on one hand, I think. No, Snoke's not coming back in episode nine. Ryan Johnson killed him. Whether or not J.J. Abrams had different plans for Snoke or not, I don't think J.J. Abrams is going to just change that around for nine, which he could. Okay. I mean, they're writing a new script. Yeah. He could. I just don't see that happening. But the also, on the other hand, you're right. Andy Serkis seems to love this character and knows a lot about him. So if Disney was saving this info for a book or a comic... Uh, it wouldn't involve Andy Circus. So yeah. if it was gonna if it was gonna involve him moving forward, it would be for a movie. Um. So I don't know. Maybe uh, it's maybe it's not nine. Maybe it's one of these new trilogies that are coming out that might involve Snoke. Um, there's a lot of theories that he's from the unknown regions. That could be a new trilogy that takes place out there. That involves Snoke. Yeah. I still don't think so. I think the most likely candidate is there's going to be a Snoke book, just like there was like a Plagueis book back in the old expanded universe. Um, but yeah, Andy Serkis does love the character. So if he did come back in nine, I wouldn't say I was surprised, but I don't think it's going to happen. What do you, what, what's your take mm. on all this, Bozeman? Well, I've I've never really been too bothered about Snoke. I didn't really find him that engaging of a character. I think it is intriguing if he is from Wild Space or the Unknown Regions. Um, the fact that he, you know, if he is as old as people claim he is, that he just sort of coexisted with the Emperor, who I think we've been led to believe was the most powerful Force user of his era. That's interesting. Um, but I don't see... Yeah, I really don't see a very realistic or convincing way that he survived the manner of his death in eight. Um, I I would be really upset if he returned in nine, and anything mm-hmm. other than maybe a flashback. Um, so yeah, you do make good points though of like why Andy Circus would know much about it if he wasn't going to portray him again on film, um, which again is hopefully maybe a flashback of some kind or. I don't mind fleshing him out more as a character, but I really don't think he has a part to play going forward. Um, I've said it about Last Jedi a hundred times. My favorite part was 
um, the triangle of Luke, Kylo, and Rey. Um, mm-hmm. And it just it had nothing to do with Snoke. I don't need Snoke in that involved in that. Um, so you know, if Snoke comes back as a flashback, if Luke is a Force ghost, you know, I'm open to all these things. But um, I think nine, the centerpiece of nine, has to be Kylo and Rey, um, and anything else is gonna make me a little bit upset i think (laughs) oh no i uh i I do completely agree like i i disagree that i don't find snoke interesting i do think he's an interesting character um and i do want to learn more about his backstory i do not but i agree i do not want to learn that in episode nine um Mm -hmm. i would read a book about snoke and where he came from i would read that book yeah i'd read a comic about that agreed Uh, agreed agreed but yes he doesn't have a place in nine uh part of the giant criticisms about eight were that they killed him and oh well he's dead and he he never went into his backstory never learned about him like he was a useless villain blah 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 well he wasn't the villain kylo ren is so he had his place in the story for kylo to take over which i think was expertly done by ryan johnson um so yes i don't think he has a spot in episode nine i agree completely with that uh, which I'm hoping J.J. Abrams does as well. Uh, but but yeah, I, I would like to learn more about him. Um, I Again, I think a book will probably cover that. Or, uh, you know, uh, Star Wars Rebels just finished. There's a new animated show coming. We don't know what it's about yet. Who knows? Maybe Snoke's a part of that. that is, he could be the main villain in that show leading into Episode Seven. We don't know. Disney's trying some new things with Star Wars these days, so... Good on him. Yeah, the character is still open to discussion, which, so, I completely understand why they would tell Andy Serkis not to reveal anything. Revealing his age as 200 years is meaningless, because that covers the whole era of everything Disney has covered with Star Wars so far, so... Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't give give anything away. Uh, So it's a nice little tidbit for fans, but really doesn't... There's not like you can nitpick that and figure anything out. Um, So, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll see. We'll learn more when... uh, As more Star Wars things are announced. I'm sure we'll maybe learn a little more when this new animated show is announced. Obviously, Nine will explain plenty, so... Uh, I wouldn't, honestly, I just, I'm more in the boat of not, people are looking very far into this. I don't think there's a lot to look into. Disney's always been protective. They want to secure possible storylines. Hell, they might not even have any plan for what to do with Snoke's character, but just saying, we might use him. We might use his backstory down the road. Don't say anything. (laughs) That's 100% possible, you know? Yeah, I, if Disney hasn't said it themselves in some form, they might use it. So obviously they're going to be like, well, just in case, shut your mouth. Because Andy Circus does like to talk <laughs> sometimes. So as a fan, I appreciate it. But as Disney can imagine otherwise. Um, all right. Well, uh, well, speaking of Star Wars, I want to do a quick plug. And I know Alexan will agree with me here. If you're listening and are not a fan of Star Wars Rebels... Quit that kind of attitude. Watch Star Wars Rebels. It just uh, it just yes. finished up its run. The finale was this past Monday. Um, absolutely right. incredible. If you're a fan of Star Wars, just phenomenal, phenomenal. It was show. better than I could even imagine. Honestly, it was perfect. 
a perfect it was, ending to it that was. show. It the, was. The, fina- the finale has become one of my favorite, favorite Star... Like, if I treat it as a movie, which I am going to treat it as a movie, it's one of my favorite Star Wars movies that's existed. Um, so watch it. Catch up. Watch it. Uh, we will be discussing that and the Snoke nonsense and everything else Star Wars when we do our first episode of Grand Admiral's Table which uh, I mentioned before, which we'll be doing very soon, which we can figure out the logistics. Uh, you know, we're, we're a busy group. We try to coordinate schedules to do our news show and We're multinational. We're, we're worldwide. We are. We're worldwide. <laughs> we are worldwide. It's worldwide. tough to coordinate. Um, so trying to coordinate the logistics, but we'll be doing a Grand Admiral Stable cover, the Rebels finale, any Episode Nine news, and anything else that follows. So stay tuned for that. Um so, but that moves us right along into our official Oscar discussion. So, these Oscars were full of surprises and fun, <laughs> and uh, we're going to see what we thought was supposed to happen or should have happened and what actually did happen. So, let's get on into that. All right, so, we're talking Oscars here. And uh, I think, uh, you know, I think there were a lot of surprises. I think there were a lot of non-surprises, if that's the term. I don't think it is. Um, But uh, where to start here? So, you know, we had an interesting year with, uh, you know, the the Me Too movement. Um, A lot of, uh, of, you know... Black celebrities with Jordan Peele getting some <laughs> traction and all that. So there's a, there's a lot of cultural yeah. aspects to the Oscars this year, which a lot of people thought would uh, kind of take over the um, the voting process. And I don't think that was a part of it. I think uh, you know I think a lot of these turned out no. the way they either should have or or you know or otherwise. But um, we had a lot of good, uh, a lot of good surprises, and a lot of ones I was really, really hoping for. Which, for me personally, um, just digging through the topics here, the one I was really hoping for that turned out was cinematography, which, um, yeah, Roger Deakins finally won. The man has been nominated so many times, uh, but he won for Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which uh, good. I mean. I didn't know what could possibly beat that. Honestly, the only guess I had was Dunkirk, but yeah. even then, I didn't think it was a competition because Blade Runner was just an absolutely beautiful, beautiful movie. Yeah, it's um, peerless. <laughs> if you yeah. were gonna have, if you're gonna have like a ten year Oscar competition, nothing would top that. In the past ten years, obviously, and I don't even think in the next ten years. I hope I'm wrong, but like, it's. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Some of the shots in the. In I, that I movie. agree, man. I mean, any yeah. other cinematography award that uh, that wins every year in the Oscars is usually yes, it's a gorgeous movie, but it's like you could you could pick out the the scenes that had those gorgeous shots and just look at them and be like, wow, that's beautiful. That was every scene in Blade Runner. Yeah, every yeah. single scene, like every shot was something I could put as a poster. Nothing. My desktop background. Nothing was pedestrian. Nothing was out of place. It's all fantastic. I was. I was so happy to see Blade Runner get a couple of awards. Mm Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it got snubbed for best picture, I won't get over. But you know. Yeah. Got some other stuff here and there. 
Just had to get Call Me By Your Oscars. Name in there. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll be watching that one over and over again for years to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's the big thing. Was the last time you watched any uh, Best Picture nominee over and over again? Certainly haven't. Some every now and then, La La Land from last year. Yeah, I do watch <laughs> the rightful winner. Of course, that for you, Jonathan. The rightful winner. Yes, I agree. Um, I'm trying to look back here. So uh, let's see here. Yeah. So Roger Deak, he has been nominated an absurd amount of times here. But to bring up what I would consider some of his best: Sicario, Skyfall, which was gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, Prisoners, Fargo, Shawshank Redemption, Assassination of Jesse James, which, I mean, people say what you will about the movie. It was beautiful. No Country yeah. for All Men. I mean, every movie on this list that he's done has just been absolutely beautiful. So, very happy. Very happy he finally won one. Uh, took the Academy a little too long. I'll say. Yeah. Um, in some of the other, some of the other technical areas, we got uh, the only awards that Dunkirk won for the night, which is also a sham. Um, but we'll get yeah. into that a little later for some of these bigger, bigger awards. But Dunkirk did get film editing and uh, sound editing and sound mixing, yeah. which um, to me were obviously very well deserved. Um. The only the only competition to me I can imagine for sound at least was Baby Driver because the entire purpose of Baby Driver was its music and its yeah sound I I agree action. I agree my my pick for sound mixing in particular was Baby Driver I think it wouldn't have hurt it wouldn't have killed anyone to give them that award you know mm-hmm. Dun Dunkirk got two other ones I I don't. It's fine. I understand. Like, it almost makes it seem super stupid that they're different awards, like sound editing and sound mixing. And if you don't really understand, like, the difference, it it does seem stupid. But, like, I think it's a little bit – I think it's. I think it does play into that, that it is stupid that it's a split category if you're just going to give it to the same film. Which happens all the time. Yeah. Almost every year. Yeah. And I completely agree that Baby Driver should have gotten sound mixing out of either. Sound editing for Dunkirk. I actually I actually voted for Baby Driver for both sound. Yeah. yeah. Um just because I was so impressed by the whole music video movie style thing yeah. they had going. It was a bigger um, part of the movie, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what the movie was designed for, and they did it he Edgar Wright did it so perfectly, but sound editing, yeah, Dunkirk also makes sense, but sound mixing like I mean, Dunkirk did have problems, which is a Christopher Nolan problem every now and then, where some stuff was too loud. Yeah, uh, Exa- not, exactly. Uh, you know, 90% of the time that was fine for Dunkirk because I wanted to be bombarded like I was in a war scene. But sometimes, you know, there's dialogue you can't hear because sounds other sounds are happening. Right. Things like that. Baby Driver did not have that issue. I mean, no. gunshots were perfectly embedded into a, a song. Yeah, I mean it was so flawless. <laughs> you never, you never noticed anything. It was just like transitioning from music to not music to action to music again. Was he slow? Uh, was he? Was he slow? Was he That's slow? Right. Um, you know what? So, That's probably why the disgraced Kevin Spacey. You know, his just his his filth is all over that film. They can't let it stench. can't let it win anything. <laughs> no, 
It'll be yeah, you know, I I honestly completely forgot he was even in that movie, but you never know. <laughs> Damn, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, in whatever. All these movies now. Ugh. Um, what? Uh, anything? Anything? Any thoughts on that, Alexon? On these editing effects categories? No, you guys pretty much summed it up. Like, I love Dunkirk, but. Honestly, I think Baby Driver did more in those two realms deserving of the win than Dunkirk. You know, I think Dunkirk's main thing was like the visuals and the storytelling of the movie more than like the sound mixing and sound editing compared to Baby Driver, which that was like a crucial part of the movie. What made the movie so unique and different was the how the music interacted with what was going on in the film. It happened like the entirety of the movie that way. And that's how it's so kind of like it was on that was like its own unique thing and made it stand out c- compared to like other movies around that time in the same style. Yeah. So, so I agree with you guys said pretty much like I said earlier. Like I, I love Dunkirk. It was one of my it won. I, I would have put it winning other categories rather than these two. But you know, it's the Academy. What can you what can you do with them? Yeah, you know, and uh, obviously, I think I think there's other examples of this. Um, throughout the years and and also this year as well but i think uh part of this is the, the academy voters are not there's no requirement for them to actually watch these movies you know they can vote without anyone making sure they've actually seen these movies and i think some of these academy voters most of these academy voters are older and maybe out of touch. And Dunkirk is Christopher Nolan and was talked about all over the place. So I think most of them watched Dunkirk, especially with the amount of nominations it had. Baby Driver? Baby Driver is an Edgar Wright action comedy movie. Yeah, yeah. There are certainly. probably so many Academy voters that didn't even watch Baby Driver. 100%. And especially if they hear like, oh, this yeah. is like an action heist movie where it's kind of a music video the whole movie. Like... Older voters aren't going to watch that. They don't give a shit about that. Um, and I, I have to believe that kind of that kind of also is a part of it. Especially um, especially in a smaller category like that. Yeah. Like, they, I mean, and that's all Baby Driver was nominated for. So, yeah, they probably were just like, well, I'm not going to watch Baby Driver for these two sound movies. Like, Dunkirk's sound was incredible. Because not to take away from yeah. Dunkirk... I mean, it's still like, yeah, it's, the win still makes sense for them, but I think there should have been a little more of a debate for Baby Driver versus Dunkirk in that. I'll, I'll also uh, say that I think, well, we can talk about this as we go forward too, but like it's part of the whole compensatory scheme that I don't like about the Oscars, which is that if you, if you know you're not going to give something best picture, but you really liked it as a movie and you want it to be able to say that it won an Academy Award, it shows up in these lower categories and that mm. indicates that you still, you still enjoyed the movie. It was a good movie. It has to win something. So it's going to win a, B and C regardless if it should actually deserve to win that move, that category. Right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, sh- I, I'd, I'd be fascinated to see the voting and how best picture and director actually broke out because I, I would hope that Dunkirk was at least in the top three, you know? So, Knowing as an Academy voter, you know, you're checking off your ballot. Well, I'm not going to give it best picture, but it deserves something. Therefore, it gets A, B, and C, you know, 
And yeah. I, I notice that, I notice that almost every year that there's, there's movies that, you know, are very close to the best picture, best director, you know, sweeping stuff. And they don't, they don't get, they don't get that. So that they, you know, they give them a lower award of some kind. Oh, which, which happens in, um, not necessarily in lower awards as well in certain years. I mean, I won't say it happens. People think it happens because, uh, last year, for instance, um, no, this was not last year. This is two years ago for The Revenant. Was that two years ago? Yeah. Was that last yeah. year? Uh, people, wow. Yeah, people were trying to claim that that's you know, why Leonardo DiCaprio won. They're like, well, this wasn't... And this has happened a few times. This actually happened this year with Gary Oldman from what I've heard. is People are saying, well, this wasn't the best performance of the year, but he's deserved it for so long that people just kind of gave it to him over someone that might have deserved it more. I disagree with the Rev. Actually, I disagree with both. I think they both deserved it both years, Gary Oldman and Leonardo DiCaprio, but it's kind of the same situation where they're like, well, you know, this is a year where maybe I didn't like everyone else as much. So I'll just give it to him because he's deserved it for so long. Same kind of thing as like, well, I'm not going to give it best picture, but it deserves something. I'll give it this award. Um, and that's an issue. That's a harder one to combat. I think, uh, cause I, I learned this year that apparently, so no, there's no, no, nothing to make sure that these voters watch these screenings and these movies. Cause most of them get mailed out to them. Um, but for some categories and I don't, remember which categories but i think like the shorts so like the documentary shorts um and i think the animated shorts uh and maybe one or two other categories some of these uh, other ones like foreign language i don't know um but they do actually make sure you see them so you you they hold a certain number of screenings and you have to go <laughs> and you have to kind of like check in and they make sure and then you can vote and it goes against these records they just need to do that for everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Stop. I know some of these some of these voters are older, don't want to leave their house, then maybe it's time for them to not be voters anymore. There's a young enough crowd yeah. to transition to a younger crowd. Make sure they go to the screenings, they check in, you see who they are, you put them down. Yes, they saw this movie. It's absurd. It's absurd at how important the oscars are and not just not just to the general audience who a lot of people don't give a shit about who won an oscar but it ha it matters to box office also a lot of these movies become critical and uh and financial successes after they've won a bunch of oscars yeah it matters and uh i think they need to make sure everyone is watching these movies because i think a lot especially in this day and age and coming coming up in future days because i think it's going to be more uh well-known blockbusters are going to start getting on this list such as dunkirk um they need a system to make sure people are watching these movies because i guarantee a lot of these voters are not seeing half these movies and that's why certain movies are winning awards over others um but you know i mean the system's been in place for a long time so they're hesitant to change, as everyone is.
Um, I'll, I'll, I ranted I'll, for a while. I feel like it's oh, no, nice. it's, no, it's good. That's a good rant. Um, okay. I'll go ahead and knock these two out of the way. The most pointless categories of all time this year in particular, makeup and costume design. Um, makeup, Darkest Hour, that's pretty much the whole point of the movie. Um, is mm-hmm. to get Gary Oldman to look like Winston Churchill. There was only three nominees in that category. Um, of course, it was going to win. It's not even. It's it was a stupid award to give that this particular year. Um, yeah, you're pretty silly if you uh, voted for anything else. Yeah, and then the same thing for costume design. That's literally what the movie is about. Phantom Thread is about dressmaking. It's about fashion. Like how how could that movie ever lose costume design? That's what it's yeah, about. Yeah, that's the thing. Like yeah. a lot of people, uh, a lot of people were like either voting for uh, Shape of Water or Darkest Hour, but it's like that's not costume design. They were dressing like regular people, right? I mean, the fishman, the fishman's out. It, that's not an outfit. That's not a costume. That's no. special effects. That's makeup. Yeah. Um. So no, that's not costume design. Sorry. No. No. Phantom. <laughs> Thr- yeah, I agree. Phantom Thread's whole point was costume design. Yeah. That's so this particular, I think in general, those are pretty stupid awards, but this year in particular, it really, you know, what's, I don't, well, I don't even understand. Like it's just it continues stupid. to make them stupid awards since last year, uh, suicide squad got its one Oscar from, I think it was costume design. It was either makeup and hairstyle or costume design. I believe it was costume. Yeah. But there yeah. actually could be either. I'm not sure. Yeah, an Academy Award-winning film. An Academy Award-winning film for Suicide Squad. Apparently it is. Who would have guessed? So we have a, um, you know, we have a bunch of the shorts. Uh, I don't think we need to talk about those. No. None of us really saw any of those, right? No. Um, No. So Kobe Bryant has an Oscar. Does everyone know that? Good. I'm I'm sure Um, it's good. Foreign language, uh, we'll skip over. Uh, I will. Say, I will say real quick. I was pretty shocked that the square didn't win. That's the only one oh, I yeah. actually knew of. I had yet to watch it, which I did want to. I did want to see it beforehand, but I, I, I've never heard of a fantastic woman. I didn't. I didn't think it had any like hype or chance of you know behind it. Oh yeah, I know. I've I've heard I've heard the square in many different circles. So that is the one I guessed. I guess because I've I've heard all about it. Yeah, um, I meant to watch mm-hmm. it, uh, but yeah, but I haven't I haven't seen any of the others, so I it's hard to you know yeah hard to judge, hard to say hard not, to say yeah I have not heard of Fantastic Woman so um so documentary feature uh, Icarus which I've seen was fantastic. It's the Very good. only yeah. one only one I've really seen good. of that list though, which is why I voted for it, but I did I did think it's a fantastic documentary. Um, I saw Abacus. That was okay. It wasn't that interesting. Yeah. I mean, Icarus had a especially for a US award show had a lot of a lot of uh relative meaning for our current political climate. So, oh, yeah. it's a yeah. anti-Russian system going on yeah um very so even if i saw the rest i imagine i would still vote for that one because it just in these current times makes the most sense yeah um so some of these uh some of these other side ones i was 
very happy about. Um, and a lot of people were very happy about also for different reasons. But animated feature was Coco. Uh, I think I I think I texted you guys recently about this. I don't know if either have either of you seen Coco yet? No, I'm no. not. Um, but I I knew it was gonna win. It's no contest. Yes. No. This this year was not a good competition for animated. Um, but Coco had a well, stronger so competition later on, which we'll talk about, which was original song. But um. Yeah, this year didn't have a good competition for animated. I mean, some years there's a Pixar movie that comes out, and if there's nothing else good, then Pixar always wins. This was kind of that year. But this could have been the year where a very strong other animated movie come out could have come out, and Coco would still win. I mean, Coco was amazing. Coco was a really, really, really well-made movie. Um, Pixar to me has been kind of flip floppy lately. Um, Mm -hmm. love inside out. I have no, no love at all for the cars series, which they keep kind of pumping some of those out. Um, what else is Pixar? Pixar has done something else recently. Did they do uh, Finding rec- Dory, Ooh. I enjoyed. I didn't think it was anything special, which is sad for Pixar. Usually Pixar is very special to me, but um, they, they've they been back and forth. They, ha- they haven't been as consistent, but Coco was really – it was classic Pixar. Um, I think everyone should take a look. The big reason it definitely won, though, people were very, very excited that it – represented mexican culture in a respectful um a very respectful way and very realistic way which like i'm a i'm a white guy raised in in maryland so i don't know (laughs) i don't know what mexican culture is like on a day-to-day basis but it seemed that way to me but i've talked to people from you know that were raised in that kind of environment and they love it as well it it made a shitload of money in mexico box office so clearly it stuck with people so i mean good on pixar they're branching out a little bit a lot lot of companies wouldn't take risks like that to kind of tackle a new culture and make it all about that but I uh I, I saw a funny meme about Pixar movies and it was like it starts with Toy Story and it's like what if toys had feelings and then I forget mm-hmm. some of the intermediaries or if, like what if fish had feelings and then eventually gets to like what if Mexicans had feelings and that's <laughs> that's like Coco that's like the plot Oh uh, yeah I mean essentially yes that's that's the plot but Yeah <laughs> No it, it's a great movie you guys should check it out it uh in uh, typical Pixar fashion, if a Pixar movie makes me cry, like just bawl my eyes out, then it's a good Pixar movie. They did their job because that's what Pixar does. Um, mm. It was good. It was a great story. Great music, which brings us to original song, which Coco also won. Um, well, look at that. Now, I haven't seen... I haven't... I've seen Call Me By Your Name, um, but I haven't seen the other three, Marshall, Greatest Showman, or Mudbound. So I can't speak to those songs, but it, I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me that Coco won this one. Oh, yeah. Um, it was, 
you guys haven't seen it, but the most emotional scene of Coco was because of this song, Remember Me. Um, it's not my favorite song in the movie, but that's just because, you know, this is sad songs. I prefer the happier songs in Disney movies and whatnot. Um, but uh, not a surprise again, but uh, still the same kind of, you know, good for good for other cultures, you know, to get these kind of wins. I mean, that's kind of been the, the theme of these Oscars. Have you guys seen any of these other these movies, these other songs? Yeah, I can uh, I can comment on Mudbound. I it's it's a decent enough song, but like the way it emerges in the film is like completely weird and jarring because there's really no other music in the movie. So it's pretty much the only musical thing that exists in it. And that so was it's kind just of my question about it because like I I haven't seen Mudbound, but I couldn't imagine a song it's yeah, like Marshall. Honestly, like I just didn't imagine an original song for either of those movies. Yeah, I think it, in Mudbound, at least if I remember correctly, it's towards the very end, and it, it's kind of a cap to the film, and that's fine. You know, that's a that's a way to end the movie, and I, I'm going to guess that Marshall's probably the same, but it's also pretty clear that you're just trying to win an award. Like it's not it's not in any way, shape, or form a, a part of the movie or a part of the plot. Um, it's just clear that you're putting a song that is very emotional and about black people's suffering and that you expect to win an award for it. You know, that, that was the impression I got yeah. from the Mudbound song. So that's my, that's my I mean, two cents about it. I haven't seen Mudbound, but that's kind of the impression I got about the entire movie. Is yeah. That they're just trying to <laughs> yeah. win an award. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I haven't seen it. So I can't, I can't say for sure, but yeah, it's, it's okay. Um, what do you think, Alexon, about any of this? <laughs> I, I I agree. I haven't seen all all of these, honestly. But I, I it's funny that it's both been brought about Mudbound. What I have seen and a little bit I read about Mudbound, I have got that same kind of feeling too about it. But looking through this, man, I missed a couple of these movies. <laughs> from the oscars list honestly as i look at it now all the things that were nominated but i do yeah, I, I mean sometimes it's I, tough to keep up with these secondary topics like i always make sure to see the you know the major ones but yeah uh, i'll say one one i saw pop up a couple of times was uh i think it's called victoria and abdul yeah with, it was uh with m from casino royale I always yeah her name. judy judy dench i judy literally dench, yeah. I literally, that was the first time I'd ever seen that movie in my life. I had no idea that it existed before the Oscars. Yeah. None. No, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it pop up in some like other areas, but definitely always forget about it until it shows up again. Yeah. Yeah. Screenplays. Um, well, now before we get into that, because that'll start us on to the, the major the major categories the here. prestige awards there's there's a couple there's let's see here two two i would like to talk about in particular that all right i'm a little upset about um i'll start off here with visual effects and i'm not upset about what won so blade runner won visual effects 
And it's hard to argue against that because, man, I mean, I've said it on previous episodes. I think I've said it today. Blade Runner was my favorite movie of 2017. Loved it. Visual effects, I mean, flawless. But the Planet of the Apes series has been passed over time and time again for the, the revolutionary effects that it brings. War of the Planet of the Apes was the pinnacle of what the that trilogy brought to visual effects. I mean, you look at Andy Serkis' yeah. performance. If you're not going to give an Oscar to motion capture, then you at least have to give it to visual effects because yeah. you're just dropping that out. I mean, I have never been so attached to a motion capture character before. And it also... I couldn't tell the difference between real life and those those characters, those those apes. It's just it was phenomenal, phenomenal visual work, and I think they're disregarding it because outside of the apes themselves, the rest is on scene footage, which Blade Runner was not. A lot of the a lot of it was background and green screen, and, and which was also incredible, but. I think the I think the Planet of the Apes trilogy just got a little gypped. I I kind of I fought for this in with Dawn of the Apes as well, um, but War took it to a whole nother level. I mean, you see the facial expressions on these characters. You know, sometimes it's just focused on on Caesar's face for an extended period of time, and it, like to me, like no other movie has ever pulled that off, where you're focusing on a CGI character, a motion capture character just watching their facial expressions yeah. and feeling that emotion. And it just, it blew me away. And as much as I love Blade Runner and how beautiful that world was, I think War for the Planet of the Apes kind of got gypped in this situation. Yeah. To, to add on to what you were saying, I would say that the apes, movie they do a good job of having characters that are CGI that like the apes, they do talk, but I feel like a lot of the emotions are portrayed through the like the visual expressions that they show, which is really they they did like the last two they did a great job of capturing that and with the CGI how they made it look so realistic. I think that really helped it at the portrayal of Caesar. Like that's, I I feel the same way you do, Jonathan, about like how like I just was just dumbfounded by how I care so much and I I was caught so much in the role of Caesar and like how Andy Serkis portrayed him and how it was done. It was fantastic. And looking at that, like I do think that it was just in that category after you made those points. Because I love the Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I think they need to, I think if they're just going to ignore uh, the details of that motion capture work and that those visual effects, then they just need to make up, they just need to make a motion capture category because Andy Serkis just nails it every year. But that's just such a prominent part of filmmaking these days. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would, I would agree. Like, I don't know if I would call it motion capture necessarily, but like an innovation in film award, like just doing doing something really creative or special, you know, something an award like that. Because like, it doesn't always have to be motion capture. Like some of the de aging work, like I could give credit for that if it's particularly good one year or another, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I, yeah, I I agree definitely. And like another another really impressive thing about War that I think really escalated it was you know, multiple scenes where there was four or five motion capture characters that were all in focus, all with dialogue, um, all with, you know, a lot to do, 
you know it wasn't it wasn't always just caesar but there there was many many scenes where there was you know multiple characters um you know chimpanzees orangutans gorillas you know all all sorts of different character models um all doing very complex things at one time and to depict that all on the screen at one time convincingly i thought that was definitely very an, an impressive thing that probably deserved um some recognition well and let's uh let's be honest here the first i don't know maybe hour of that movie apart from the first fight scene was literally all ape characters yeah. all motion ca- motion capture characters yeah and uh nothing ever broke my immersion and yeah maybe that's not enough but i uh, yeah maybe that's not enough to like say this deserves that award but at the same time they got close they got they got close on these characters they got they got into their facial expressions I mean, like me and Alexa were just saying, like Caesar would do certain things with just his face without saying a word that that actors do and that they ask of actors so often. That's the hardest thing to catch on actors. I mean, these directors will take a shot 10, 15 times to get a a specific look from an actor and they're doing it through CGI with these motion capture actors. And if they can do that, I mean, that's such an amazing, incredible feat for special effects and for visual effects. Definitely. Um, And to me, that is more, I guess it depends on what you think is more impressive, which is the the debate these voters had, which um, uh, either the background in the world around you, which Blade Runner did absolutely incredibly. I don't want to take anything from them, but the Blade Runner world was, was, it was amazing. I mean, it was very well built. Everything around... The character of K was incredible, um, but to me, the more impressive visual effect is getting into these these characters, these apes like Caesar, um, and just seeing those the details of their face and like the sadness sometimes. Yeah, I mean, so often it zoomed in on his face and seeing like just the pain he was dealing with, and that's why I always thought like he deserves an Oscar nomination. Like Andy Serkis deserves an Oscar nomination for his portrayal of, of an ape. And yes, no one's going to like, no one in the Academy would ever agree with that. But like, I, I feel so many emotions from watching his facial expressions in this scenario. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's visual effects. Uh, yeah. So the, the way I would have liked to have seen of opinion in that. The way I would have liked to have seen it gone down was for Blade Runner to win production design and War for the Planet of the Apes to win visual effects. Um, we'll get into Shape of Water soon, I suppose, but I was not... I mean, the production, the production design is cool, but it's really... A lot of it is just sort of a, you know, 1950s, 60s retro look thing, which is pretty... Yeah easy to do i mean obviously it's based on real life to some extent there's a little bit of a fantasy element to it but um versus the production design of blade runner which is even even taking the original blade runner as reference it's completely a new world that took so much effort to design and portray on screen convincingly from shot to shot like that it's it's no contest for me. I don't understand why Shape of Water won production design I, over Blade uh, Runner. You know, we'll 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 just we'll just move into production design uh, right now uh, because I 
had some things to say about that as well. Um, but I 100% agree. Uh, I actually voted. I actually made my guess as Dunkirk. Yeah. Um, I would. I would have preferred Blade Runner. That would have been what I wanted to win. I, in terms of guessing what the Academy would think, I chose Dunkirk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Shape of the Water winning. I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. I my biggest issue was. 90% of the movie was in one is was in the one room. Right. And uh yeah, it was a great set and it was great attention to detail, but um it's it's a it's a rundown apartment. Like I can't Yeah, it, yeah. it didn't make me believe in some new world. It didn't make me believe in all these new things or get enveloped in some different reality like it was like the one it lab. Push many boundaries. It was like, well, that's a, that's a pretty cool lab that looks like you should play Bioshock, and there you are. Um, <laughs> or like, there's a shitty apartment in Baltimore. There it is. Uh, like production design, I don't know. I just don't. I don't see what that brought to the table to bring anything new. I voted yeah. for Dunkirk because I thought like some of the war scenes, like holy shit, they made those to make you feel like you're there. And I was like that is something new that's revolutionary that's what i think they bring to the table blade runner same thing like holy shit i feel like i'm in that world i feel like i'm with ryan gosling in this crazy ass terrible futuristic world shape of the water she's like all right i'm just watching some fantasy dream thing where she's in this weird lab and terrible apartment fucking a fish man you know i I don't know uh no i agree completely yeah what do you think, Alexon? Yeah, I agree, especially after seeing Dunkirk and reading about how Christopher Nolan, how he did like some of the uh, the dog fighting scenes, how he got like actual like World War II planes and he filmed them in those planes, and he got like try to get actual boats from that from that era and stuff. Like, I don't know. I think there's this for that for Dunkirk and for Blade Runner. I feel like so much more work had went in. To the like the design production design that aspect than the shape of water and i and i felt like though either one i would have been happy either one of them winning that you know i feel like that was a clear giveaway to one of those either of those movies and i was kind of surprised that the shape of water won that one i saw that i kind of saw that movie winning like getting like the majority of some of these categories but i didn't think they it would get production design honestly well and I don't want to like um, I don't want to like bash uh, Guillermo del Toro because I right. think for what <laughs> I think for what the movie required the production design of Shape of Water was really 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 good. Um, like the look of the lab and ev- and everything like her apartment and everything was perfect for what the movie needed, but. I guess it's more so I didn't think the movie was asking for that much. Yeah. Which, right, yeah. which Blade Runner and um and uh Dunkirk both I think were asking for a lot more a lot more expansive. Um, which uh I'll I'll interject with something I I brought up back when we did our favorite films of 2017 thing. I think the reason that Lady Bird got shut out of everything um was that if you look at the other films that won stuff, the degree of difficulty in executing 
that script, that screenplay, that vision, it's just nowhere near any of these things. And Lady mm-hmm. Bird, Lady Bird is a, it's a very, it's a delightful, it's a charming film. It's, it's good. It's well made. Um, but ultimately it's a family drama. You know, it could have been made, um, as a TV movie for the Lifetime Network, quite honestly. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's very, it's very nice. It's enjoyable. I don't know if I'll ever really watch it again necessarily, but I had a good time with it. Um, but Oscar award winning compared to these films, it, it simply isn't, um, the degree of difficulty to execute the vision of a film like The Shape of Water or Dunkirk or Blade Runner 2049. It's, it's not even close into, into what I can award you as an artist. You know, it's the difference between like, uh, you know, a paint by numbers watercolor and like a big, like Sistine Chapel type mural. You know, it's just the scope of the project is just not sufficient to me. Um, to be, you know, awarded a, a, an award of that caliber and that high of an honor. It's just not there. No, you're you're right. Uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, when I first saw Lady Bird, I, I loved it. thought it was really, really good. Um, I understood why it was in contention for some of these awards. But, yeah, the I mean, the big thing to point out is uh, we're debating all these other movies, the same few movies, over and over again for these different awards. And Lady Bird's not going to be mentioned apart from Best Picture best picture and uh and best director and it it doesn't deserve to be mentioned apart from those categories um it's it's also nominated for best screenplay but it's not in it's not even to me it's not even in the competition for those um so yeah i mean you're you're competing against movies that are you know being debated in five six other categories Clearly, you're not one of the top dogs there. Um, yeah, especially these days. Like, if you're, uh, uh, I love Lady Bear, but I guess vanilla type movie, you know, just kind of, um, I don't want to say standard, but uh, it's hi- it's it's yeah, it's it's hyper realistic, and there, yeah, there's definitely it, a it, certain appeal to that kind of story. Um, but it's just not really what wins awards. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a type of movie that is well loved and, um, it's a story that has been done a billion times in filmmaking, but it was done exceptionally well. Yes. So, I mean, it is still, it is still an amazing feat that it got nominated for best picture, best director, screenplay, uh actress uh supporting actress so i mean it's still incredible it got those nominations like good for ladybird because it deserved them but i agree not a surprise that it didn't get not or get the award itself you need to be a little more a little more revolutionary a little more uh stand out than that to win but um yeah i mean the the debate with shape of the water will continue for the rest of this conversation so we will move on briefly from that because we will get back to it i promise you that so the other big uh apart from uh before we get into like the major awards here um the other big issue i had was original score 
And yeah. now this is another debate with Shape of Water. Yeah. Um, but, and I am a, I will admit, I am a, a full-blown Hans Zimmer fanatic. But, oh boy, am I upset about this award. Let me just tell you, right off the bat, Dunkirk's score. Now, now I like Dunkirk quite a bit. I think it's one of the best movies made this year. Um, I think Christopher Nolan deserved Best Director, as we'll get into later. But a big part of it was the score. Every second of that movie... The music just filled you with the the right amount of emotion that you needed. It filled you with the feelings that you needed at that time. It kind of led you into what was happening next. It it kind of fueled the movie to me, and it kind of directed you to where this movie was going and to how you needed to deal with it, which kind of is how a score should do it, but, this, uh, but Hans Zimmer did it in a way that was just revolutionary to me in shape of water one and i i liked shape of water's score i did uh uh, Al- uh alexander uh duplat <coughs> but it, it was just it was good it was good it was classical film charming it was a very classic film score it was uh it very was charming old school it was very charming it was good Dunkirk's was revolutionary. I I just oh boy, if it was any other year, then I wouldn't care that he won for this. But Hans Zimmer really went out there on a ledge for Dunkirk, and he yeah. nailed it. Um, yeah. My I, I what, my what favorite part that? my favorite part of Dunkirk is when the civilian fleet finally arrives to the beach, and the score for the first time becomes a little bit more traditional it it drops out from being something of a sound effect to being really orchestral i think for the first time in the film and Mm -hmm. i cried i cried like a baby you know i'm not Mm -hmm. i'm not english but like (laughs) i can understand what that means in that moment the, the the heroism for those men to go to that beach and you know, basically willing to fight the Nazis, you know, a bunch of old men on fishing boats. And it was a very the, powerful moment. Yeah. And there's nothing even remotely close to that in the shape of water. And that's, that's such a powerful part of what a score can do. I mean, if you think about the great, the great, great scores, John Williams scores and what they mean to some of his movies, like what, what is Star Wars without John Williams? What is ET? What is Jurassic Park? Like those, those movies, Jaws, like a, a score, a score has to be transcendent to me to win one of those awards. And there's no single moment or track or or uh, beat of notes in The Shape of Water that I think comes even close to that. And that's that's why it's just not to me. It's a. It, I agree, Jonathan. It's a. It's a travesty. Mm. Alexa, what do you think about all this? <laughs> To, not to break uh, what's been said so far, I agree. I I think they wanted just to win it. I think it was one of those things that, like, the shape of water hit those those Oscar tropes, hit all the right check marks to win these categories that, like, other movies clearly have should have won, you know? 
like the the Dunkirk Hans and that that sh- that should that I think had more like both like, more of an impact to the story and just more I don't know brought more emotion out with the scenes than like anything any like thing with the shape of water. Not saying the shape of water was bad, but it was just like just compared to like that. Even like Star Wars: the Last Jedi, John Williams, I felt like that did a better job than Shape of Water, and that that had more. Mm-hmm. I agree with that too. I, I wouldn't even put Shape of Water in. Well, I put it in the top three because I don't care about three billboards or Phantom Thread. But yes, number three. Yeah, <laughs> like three out of three. Boo! <laughs> You've been booed. Look, here's the here's the thing. I want to say two very separate points about this. Um, Ooh. Yeah. One. Shape of Water was, uh, I, I thought it was a very, I thought it was an incredible score as well. But like both of you said, you have to do something that not changes the game. Yes, kind of, but also just affects the movie as a whole. And mm-hmm. yes, yeah, Shape of the Water was more enjoyable because of the soundtrack, but a different score wouldn't have necessarily made me dislike the movie more a different score from dunkirk would have changed the entire movie for me like it would have been a different experience not necessarily worse but it different and probably worse let's be honest if it wasn't Hans zimmer yeah class (sighs) a classic rock soundtrack maybe for dunkirk (laughs) that would have been fantastic right yeah a little bit of a different scenario there. <laughs> or uh, electronic jazz, um, you know. You can get all sorts of stuff. Yeah, you know, you get a you get a whole different you get a whole different area. But um I I guess that's all I'll say for now on it. I, I could go off on a rant. Uh, <laughs> I could go off on a rant for so long. Yeah. So I'll die on myself we- back. Um <laughs> Are we at the major categories? I feel like a lot of these rants will coincide with our our conversation off of these, the main ones. Yeah, yeah, we can, uh, we're going to jump forward now to our main categories. Um, Yeah, there's too many, too many small topics that I could just like go, just go off on and rant for and that, that would just take numerous days. Um, so we'll, we'll start off We're we're moving on to some of these bitter, bigger category things now, and, uh, we'll, we'll move on to screenplays. Um, so first one being adapted screenplay, which I predicted correctly as call me by your name, not necessarily what I think deserved it, but, uh, I want to see what you guys think about it. So Alexa, what did, what did you go for in this, this category? Adapted screenplay. Well, let me see. To, let me let me get to that point in my notes. Oh, I think I I said Logan mainly because I don't, out of these I only saw Logan and Disaster Artist. I didn't see Call Me by Your Name to compare. But as you know, heard in previous episodes, I'm a huge Logan fan, so I think. Anytime I saw that pop up, that was getting my <laughs> my definite vote for a win in that category. But I think that's the only category this logo was in, right? 
Yes. Logan Without a doubt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I think I gave it that just so I could have Logan, Logan winning something. So mine's is a little skewed, I will I will admit. <laughs> I think Logan should have won, but I, I have not seen Call Me By Your Name, so I, I don't have that comparison to make. Um. Well, I agree with you, but Alex, or Bozeman, what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, same for me. Wishful thinking for Logan. Um, but we all knew what it was going to be. Like I said before, that I think screenplay is a very popular consolation prize category. Um, it, to me, to me, it's really best picture light, right? Because like, what what is a screenplay other than like the backbone, the skeleton of a film? So if you're saying if you're saying you had a really awesome screenplay, but for whatever reason that didn't get translated into best picture, that doesn't really make sense to me. So I, I, I've always Ooh, seen it. I've always, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with you. Really? Yeah, I yeah. really do. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my perspective of it is, is that it like why I'll, I'll say this like why why wasn't the shape why why didn't shape of water why was not why was that not the best original screenplay if it if it if it was because the best picture it's all about it's all about execution yeah there are so many good scripts out there so many good scripts and there's good movies well bad movies that exist that i think well the script was actually really good but yeah. it was terrible because when you execute a script you got Bad acting, bad directing, which means the scene itself could just look terrible. Uh, bad editing, bad execution on these scenes. So they take a scene and think it means something different than it does. And the scene looks entirely different. Like a script can be adapted in so many ways. Sure. Million different ways. Sure. And it can a good script can end horribly wrong. Sure. So... That's that's my point about it as a consolation prize though is that there's I don't see I don't see how Call Me by Your Name could have been any better to the point where it would have won best picture. And so to me personally to call it the best adapted screenplay, I know Shape of Water was an original screenplay, but like why what what was it what was it about Call Me by Your Name that failed in its execution of such a tremendous and wonderful screenplay? That it didn't quite meet the best picture expectation. If all right, it had, well, if it had such a fantastic foundation. Well, I mean, I agree with you that I don't think "Call You by Your Name" screenplay deserved an Oscar. That's not where I was getting to, um, because I do agree with both of you that Logan deserves that award. Um, but. I also have dealt with the fact long ago that a X-Men or any superhero movie is not going to win a Academy Award. Yeah. Which is foolish and ridiculous because Logan absolutely probably should have deserved, not probably, should have deserved a Best Picture nomination. They could go up to 10 and Logan full force could compete with some of these nominations here. I won't go into the exact nominations that it could go against, but there's quite a few. Um, and screenplay should have won. I mean, that was that was a tight, beautifully written script. Yes. I mean, every character was flawless. Every scene was perfectly <laughs> utilized. Beautiful script. 
should have won. Um, I like some of these other scripts. I love Disaster Artist. I love Molly's Game. As I said, haven't seen Mudbound. Um, <laughs> but Molly's Game had issues. Disaster Artist, I loved it. Had a few problems. Pacing. Logan to me is Logan to me is a, a almost perfect script. Yeah. So yeah. no, I agree. Call Me by Your Name should not have won. That's what I. That's what I guessed because I knew. Logan would never win Academy Award, uh, which is sad. But, oh boy, not even just Best Picture. Logan should have gotten a supporting actor, should have gotten a lead actor. Uh, Denzel Washington has no right being on that list. I love Denzel Washington. (laughs) Love him. No right being on that (laughs) list. He has no stake being there. That movie Uh, sucks. Supporting's a little tougher. All right, so supporting's a little tougher. I mean, uh, James Stewart. Uh, he was he was wonderful in Logan. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. But that is it's tough to replace anyone on that list. There actually impossible. So no, maybe he doesn't belong there. But come on, Denzel, you've done you've done better in your life. Yeah. Um, but talking about screenplay in particular, no, Call Me by Your Name does not deserve it. And even if you don't think Logan deserves it, then it's still I would still choose Disaster Artist over Call Me by Your Name because I think that's a wonderfully done script over a, a book about a silly, silly man's life. So yeah, um, still to me third place. But so I'll I'll revisit that point with the original screenplay winner, which is Get Out, and to me. Again, it's it, to me, it's a sign of of cowardice. Like, how, I don't understand how you're going to say that The Shape of Water is the best picture, but it didn't have the best original screenplay. To me, it it's clear that Get Out had to win something. If I'm not mistaken, this is the only thing it won. It yeah, it's a, it's a it's a handout award. And I, 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 well, I think, I think you're going too far into thinking that best picture needs to win these other awards. Like I just said, screenplay is so, so different than best picture. Okay. But yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can't see that. Like, I mean, best script, like best screenplay. I mean, get out had a very tight, very controlled, good screenplay. And Shape of Water, he just executed in such a beautiful way. Like, there's a difference. There is a difference. Yeah. And I... Not that I'm saying Shape of Water deserved the best picture, but different I, story. And I agree, and that's where I'm going, is that if if we had switched places, would people have been outraged? If Get Out had won best picture, and Shape of Water got original screenplay, and we walked away from the ceremony in that order... What's the difference? Okay, I do. I do want to say, um, I'm not going to talk about it long because we will get into the best picture discussion. But my guess for best picture was actually Get Out, um, and I knew it was an underdog. But I do see where you're coming from. But at the same time, I don't think they necessarily have to be correlated where it's one or the other or both or anything like that. 
So it's hard for me to argue against it because uh, original screenplay makes sense to me that Get Out won. And I, I agree. I, I agree. I, I agree 100%. Best picture. I agree 100% that Get Out, Get Out should have won original screenplay. But then, like you said, I'm, I'm wondering exactly what Get Out did wrong from an execution standpoint that it wasn't as good as Shape of Water for, for executing perhaps better a worse screenplay. That's how I see it, and that doesn't. Okay, you know what? You know, you know what? I think we kind of were, uh, we were kind of on the same side. Yeah, and accidentally arguing against it. Right. Um, <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I agree actually, because I do think uh, I do think Get Out was the best picture winner. Um. So yeah, let's jump back to screenplay because we were clearly on the same side either way. Um. Yeah. So, Alexa, what did, what did you think was original screenplay worthy? I'm gonna guess. I think, I'm gonna take a guess and think it was Get Out. Yeah, I think. <laughs> girl, that's a good guess. You know me pretty well. I, Is that I, racist? I, no. I, <laughs> <laughs> no I mean, way yeah, way yeah. better than Moonlight, for the record. Yeah. Uh, I no, would, I, I would agree. But I agree. I think. I think Get Out should have won her for original screenplay, personally. But I, I can see both points. I, I, I do see how like the Academy could have just like gave Get Out that award just so Get Out like would have won something, you know? Because I guess they didn't want the kickback of like Get Out not winning any like Jordan Peele not winning anything for such a a movie did really well in. And I also read some articles saying that a lot of the Academy didn't even watch the movie Get Out. It goes back to the issue we talked about earlier about how they yeah. don't watch every movie. I heard, I heard that same story. So, like, I I was hoping it would win something, and I had a feeling that it would win one. I thought it might have been, like, one of those, like, more throwaway categories. But I thought that it would win something just, just so, like, because it had to. But I, I do think it owns merit by itself. Me personally, it, it had enough to win this, but I do think it got just so it will win something, you know? To read that quota kind of sort of to say. So I'm yeah. kind of torn. Like, I, I, I agree with it, but then I, I think I, I'm agreeing for the different reasons. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the hard thing with with these, especially this year's Oscars. Like, I think Get Out deserves best screenplay i do um and i think it deserved best picture to be honest Mm -hmm. uh which it did not win and i think it deserved best director which it did not win um but those those are a couple different stories all in one so yeah i do see what you guys are saying where it's like the academy just gave it best screenplay because that is the lesser of at least those three for sure it's the lesser of those three um so it's like all right well we gave jordan peele that award move on but i mean if they agreed like if you think about it if they agreed that that's the best screenplay of all these movies if that's the best screenplay of the year then there's nothing he could have done differently to execute which means that's also the best picture and the best director of the year. Right. And that's that, not always the case, but I don't know. I, that, that's such a tough one. Um, 
Yeah. Like, I think it's kind of hard because for some of these, we have to, like, put the motive of the academy behind these decisions. <laughs> and, oh, like, it's I know. Kinda, and then, you just and don't know, like, what these people the are thinking. And that's the problem with the Oscars. Like, my guess for director was Greta Gerwig because I just thought the political climate and everything that was happening with uh, women in Hollywood – and nothing against Greta Gerwig. I think Lady Bird was in, absolutely incredible. I love Lady Bird, and I think she was she did a phenomenal job. But if I picked my best director of 2017, it would be Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. Right. Like mm-hmm. without without a second thought, because I think that well we'll get into that. But yeah, it would be Christopher <laughs> Nolan. Um, <laughs> So it's yeah, it's weird for for screenplay to be one thing and picture well, picture and director ended up being the same, but not what I would expect. Um, yeah, it is. It's hard to pick these things. I mean, uh, like I expected three billboards to be best picture, so my expectations were director, picture, and screenplay were all going to be different things. Right. It didn't quite it didn't quite turn out that way, but it kind of did if you think about it. Like I, I thought Get Out would get screenplay. It did. Just give Jordan Peele something. Best picture and director ended up Shape of Water. But it could have gone either way. Three billboards could have ended up best picture. Director could have ended up Guillermo. You're in that same boat. Like, what changed? What was different? Um I don't know. It's it's the voting process is weird. It's always going to be yeah. weird. Um, but any other thoughts on this screenplay action? No, I I'm done no. with the screenplay subject. I'm I'm in, I'm <laughs> yeah, embittered about fair. it now. Yeah, I got a little. I'm I'm getting a little more riled up about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> So we'll move on to uh, some of these uh, some of these acting acting roles, uh, which I don't think we'll have as much of a argument about, but who knows? Uh, but we'll do actress in a supporting role. Uh, my guess was Lori Metcalf. Uh, you know, uh, she was to me she was the staple of Lady Bird. I really, uh, I really expected her to win that one. Um, I just, uh, she was my favorite part of Lady Bird. I loved uh, Cersei, uh, I forget her last name. Ronan. Ronan. Um, I loved her as Lady Bird, but her mother, Laurie Metcalf, was incredible. Uh, but um, Leslie, or um, Allison Janney for I, Tanya won. Um not super upset about it. I think she was incredible as well. Uh, so, what do you, what do you think, Bozeman? Uh, yeah, full support for Alice and Janie. I thought she was she was pretty great. Um, probably has a lot less screen time um, than uh, Metcalf. Um, it you know it's interesting. It's a competition of mothers, basically. Like, I think it's really no question it was going to be one of the two of them. Um, so pretty much whoever did a better job at, at mothering. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with it. Um, I thought she did a really good job. Definitely laid on the comedy a lot. Um, 
and she's just a she's a horrible person and there's really well that's really the whole question of her character is if there is any redeeming quality to her um the fact that she did push her to be great and you know to even have a chance at the olympics in the first place that wouldn't have happened if she hadn't have been so hard on her but you know that's kind of an age-old question but yeah i'm i'm happy with it that's what i that's what i picked that's the direction i would have gone as a voter all right alexa Yeah, I'm on, I mean, honestly, I'm on along the same lines. You know, I saw, I suppose I said, one of the mothers winning, the winning this, or honestly, I kind of, I, I kind of saw maybe Octavia Spencer potentially <coughs> winning, taking this one away too. I, I was oh, looking that at is it, I was, a shocking new opinion that I've never heard before. Yeah, not. <laughs> Honestly, that's not that, even that, sarcasm. I just I, I thought she had no right being on that nomination list. She's in the movie no right. for like twelve minutes. I think. She she literally is in there just to be Octavia Spencer. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that's why she will win, just because she plays Octavia well, Spencer. You know, that would be like you know that's the also was terrible because her, you know? the Academy does love Octavia Spencer. <laughs> yeah, like she she just wins stuff just because she just appears. And I thought like this would be another one. She shows up for a you're small not, time. You're not, you boom. honestly are not wrong. So yeah. that's why like, every I time I see her name, I just like much, but I'm trained to think that she might just automatically win. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is that face, you know, it's an Oscar face like, apparently. Yeah, she she does kind of have that pull where. She shows up and just maybe wins an Oscar. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, so we got supporting actor, which this was an interesting one to me. Um, I did. I did not like three billboards. Um, I'm kind of in the minority on that one. Apparently, I didn't like it at all, to be honest. But uh, not to say anything against the acting performances, because every uh, Willem Dafoe, uh, not Willem Dafoe, sorry, um, Sam Rockwell, uh, Francis McDormand, and uh, Woody Harrelson, I loved. I think they were incredible, absolutely incredible. Sam Rockwell won for supporting role. I was really, really banking on Willem Dafoe. Um not to say anything against Sam Rockwell, but I did not, did not like the turn his character took. I didn't think it made any sense in the movie. Um, but the struggle there is, I that's not a, that doesn't go against his acting. Um, so his acting was still amazing. I just think his character didn't make any sense. So it put me in a really tough position. What do you think, Bozeman? Um, yeah, I can, I can see that perspective. Definitely. Um, I think Woody Harrelson was definitely sort of crippled by his screen time. I really loved Mm -hmm. his performance that he was there. Um, yeah, he was my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. Very, very, very bizarre to have two people nominated for supporting actor from the same film. (laughs) Yeah. Very weird. Mm -hmm. Um, probably my biggest regret of the whole Oscar season was not seeing Florida project. Um, I love Willem Dafoe. He was. You guys should both check it out. Yeah, <laughs> he was very unfortunately in the the one movie I did happen to see of his from last year was uh, what happened to Tuesday Monday, mm, whatever. Yeah, Monday. 
Monday. Um, and he was great in that, but he wasn't really in it. So <laughs> it's much to the detriment of the film. Um, but yeah, it's, it's okay. It is what it is. It, it's, it is, it was a weird category because they, it really does emphasize like the supporting aspect of the award. Like it's, they're all, all of the performances have their own drawbacks and like they're all, they're all very, very good, but I feel like they're all, like you said, there's, there's a little bit of a problem with each of their roles. Um, I wouldn't know so much about Florida project cause that's the one I didn't see, but, um, the, uh, Richard Jenkins, I think, um, yeah, the, his role in shape of water is also just a bit weird and a little bit shoehorned in. And like I, the, the little clip that they gave, like from his, that, like, I always love the Oscar clips, you know, like the Oscar moments. And, uh, we can talk about this when we get to actress. Cause I thought it was hilarious. Um, but the one, the one that they showed, you know, he's talking to the creature in the bathtub about, oh, I feel so old and I wasn't born. Like, that's to me, that's that's dialogue very clearly written for that scene to help you win an Oscar. Mm-hmm. You know, it has nothing to do with the film whatsoever. Like, mm-hmm. he just, it's a real tack on character. I, I understand his relative importance to it, but like most of the dialogue that really carries him as a performance. It's just not really relevant to anything. So again, they all, I think each of the roles have their little quirks. And like you said, with Rockwell, he did a great job with what he was given, but you know, like you said, the, the character and his role in the plot just doesn't really make sense. And it's a lot of it's very circumstantial and it's just odd, you know? So he, he did a great job with it and I don't knock him for winning. I think he's a fantastic actor, but you know, there is, there was all little problems with each of the roles that were presented. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. What are you thinking? Yeah. Like looking at this list, like, like they, like both are sound like there's, there's a little issue with each of them. Like none of them like really stood out to me as a, like, Oh, this one, you know, definitely has this in the background. This is one like I will, push for 100 percent like they were fantastic actors that they did a lot of them did really good at their roles but it's just i don't know i was kind of like this one this category for this year like it didn't like really like nothing stood out to me really that i like paid attention to or like i don't know i don't know it's really what i'm trying to like to put into the words how i feel about it but <laughs> it's just yeah, I, see what you're saying. I know what you're saying yeah um I think like usually I think so, there's usually like more like wow like roles that like stand out more like some of these categories like either movies or people's performance like really stood out to me I feel like for this one for the supporting actor this year it just really didn't do that for me as much as it has in previous years yeah which uh, I um don't it's hard to say I don't uh, necessarily not necessarily agreeing with what you were just saying, but um, it's more so that these roles, when I'm looking for an acting performance, I guess I'm looking more so for something that makes me uh, see the character and disregard the actor. Um, 
especially for more famous actors. I guess this is probably more of a lead acting role type of thing, but um, like Sam Rockwell in Three Billboards, I I thought his performance was incredible. I didn't like his character, which is more of a writing standpoint, maybe a directing standpoint, but I didn't like his character. But I thought his his performance was incredible. But at the same time, for a lot of it, I saw Sam Rockwell being eccentric, being Sam Rockwell. Willem Dafoe, who I thought deserved the win, was so different from anything I've ever seen Willem Dafoe in. So different from what I think of when I think of Willem Dafoe, I think of a completely different type of person. And he was just so, in Florida Project, he was just so... Ah, he was just so um, relatable and just so personable and so uh, connected to these characters. And it just, it made me connect to that character a lot more. Um, It was easier for me to relate to his character and to connect to his character and want to see more of his character, I guess, than it was to Sam Rockwell's. Um, So I thought he deserved the win. But... Sam Rockwell did an incredible job, so I am not I'm not upset that Sam Rockwell won because I think he did a great job too, and I love I love him as an actor, and I don't think the issues that I have were his issues. Um, that as like a run on sentence of of <laughs> my explanation for this, but. Um, <laughs> so uh, all right, so we'll go into we got some we got the last four big. The big name roles here, the big name awards. The prestige. Uh, the prestige, mm. as they say. These are the big ones. Top, these will give you top. a career for the rest of your life. Right. So N- Nicholas Cage won one of these goddamn things, for God's sakes. Nicholas Cage did win one of these things. And unfortunately, unlike anyone else that won a lead actor award, he faded away. Nobody's done that but him. So we'll start with actress. Left behind. Which I kind of think maybe we won't all agree, but it won't be much of a debate. Um, but Francis McDormand won for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I didn't expect anything different. Nope. I didn't like that movie, but I still also think she deserved that award. So uh, what, do, what do you guys think? What do you think, Bozeman? Um, I mean, yeah, same thing. I think we all knew it was going to happen. This was probably the most locked in the bag. I think she won pretty much everything all award season. Um, I had, I had secret inner hopes for Margot Robbie. Obviously it wasn't going to happen, but I think that her career arc from basically being, you know, a borderline supermodel in Wolf of Wall Street, you know, just something pretty and naked for most of the film um, to the amount of emotional effort and physical torture that she put herself through for I, Tanya, I was extremely impressed. And she's she really is a very good actress. Um, so like, yeah, like take taking that into context like that, that in some ways that almost shouldn't count. Right. The fact that she wasn't she she's been pretty good in everything she's been in in my opinion but like like i said like i don't think you really think of like the fact that she was even nominated is good for her fantastic like i just don't think that people think of her as a great actress but they really should after this performance 
and I'm really excited to see what direction she continues to go in because I think she's very good. Um, so, like, if it was up to me and I was going to give somebody an award, I would have given it to her because, like, everybody knows Frances McDormand's great. Like, we don't need to tell anybody else that. She won everything else in the world, um, you know, and she'll probably win something again. But, yeah, I, I love Margot Robbie. Well, I agree with you that uh, Margot Robbie gets a bad deal because of Wolf of Wall Street, but aren't you kind of leading into the same problem we're dealing with if you want to say she deserves it because people think of her differently? If we're just talking about acting performance, just strict acting performance. Yeah, yeah, which still is... Give it I, to her? I thought I, I thought I gave it a little bit of a caveat when I was explaining it that you know, that, that plays into the, into my decision and yeah, I'm biased and I'm willing to admit that. Um, well, everyone is. So you're right. Yeah. You are right. So, but that, that's, right. that's kind of my point is like, you know, a hundred percent of the time that I don't, I don't, I don't, I absolutely believe that people should be able to win multiple times. But like, here's an example. If Daniel Day-Lewis had won for best actor this year, as much as I love him, I would have been upset. Which yeah, is like, too. it's not, it has, it, I don't have anything against multiple winners or anything like that, but I do think that like when somebody, when somebody that you're not necessarily, like, like I said, like everybody knows Frances McDormand is a really great actress and I understand why she won and she absolutely deserved to win and I'm glad that she did. But like if Margot Robbie had won, like, wow, that's fantastic too. I don't know. I, I understand the uh, slight hypocrisy in what I'm saying, but that's my opinion. No, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I just had to question it a little bit. But oh, it sure. does make sense. Alexon, what are you thinking? Yeah, um I thought that, you know, it's it kinda in the bag for the actress. You know, she like you guys are all upset <laughs> she was sweeping all the awards up this past year, two thousand seventeen. I will say <laughs> I was hoping that uh, Mel Streep, if any of them, if her she did good enough in the post, she could like sweep it, but she did not. <laughs> her performance didn't like persuade me that I think she she would win. But like, if all the ones who could win, I thought Mel Streep had the potential from the post. Well, just just based off her name, but the post was just not the movie to do it. Oh yes, yeah. so this this is what I was gonna say when I was watching the post. I knew I knew as soon as the scene started I knew the scene that would be used as her Oscar clip that was going to try to you know win her the Oscar. Did you guess it right? Yeah, and I was exactly correct. It's <laughs> towards the end where she's in her dining room at night in her nightgown. Oh, yep. She's mm-hmm. talking to all these men about how it's time for her to make the decision and it it's just like ugh like I understand that you're Meryl Streep. I understand, like you know, you're great, you're fantastic. But like, when the moment is so contrived to function as a vehicle for your greatness, that's not to me. That's also not acting. Like you also need to. I think acting requires a little bit of humility on occasion to step back into the film as in general, and you know to have. To have multiple scenes throughout a movie that are specifically designed to highlight your greatness as an actor, you know, there's there's opportunities for those sorts of films, but I think that that killed the post throughout was the the posturing in it for for multiple characters. Like 
there there was a good movie in there, but it was just completely suffocated and stifled by those sorts of scenes. Um, well, that, that's why it that's sucked. Pretty much, that's pretty much why I uh, disregard, uh, not disregard, but um, don't think a Spielberg movie coming out is necessary. Like a lot of people think a Spielberg movie is coming out. Like this is going to be the greatest thing ever like no i i'm gonna wait to see how it is because i think that's how it's been for the last few spielberg movies um i think i think he thought bridge of spies would be a tom hanks uh carry for him and i didn't like bridge of spies at all lincoln for daniel day lewis i didn't like lincoln even though people love daniel day lewis in it post for meryl streep uh but that's a whole different conversation for my Spielberg uh, nostalgia slash getting tired of him. But uh. <laughs> so, all right. So we'll move on to an um, actor in a leading role. And, you know, I could be wrong, but I think we're going to have a much shorter discussion on this one. Um, to me, it was kind of a landslide. Gary Oldman won for Darkest Hour. Uh, I don't know what else to say about this one. Uh, Gary Oldman won. Gary Oldman deserved to win. Yep. Gary Oldman's needed an Oscar for a long time. It made sense. The man was Winston Churchill. That was it. Like You lost yourself in that. He was Winston Churchill. And I don't know how else you describe acting as opposed to, I forgot that was Gary Oldman. <laughs> but <laughs> if you guys have an argument on that one, go for it. No, no I, uh, I can stand by that. Um, the only thing, the only caveat I'll offer is that my, I guess, deep study of history and the amount of times that I've been exposed to Churchill impressions, um, the movie, the movie as a whole, I think is rather forgettable and not good, which I agree with that. Yeah, I don't it, think the movie is special. Yeah, which has which has nothing to do with him, and he did a really great job. It's just it's kind of a shame. I, I'll say that like it's kind of a shame that the movie as a whole couldn't quite match his performance. Mm. I agree. The movie should have it should have been a best actor, best picture, maybe best director, like winner trio. Yeah, movie. It just wasn't. Luckily, it got best actor, but it should have it should have been a whole home run. Yeah, but I agree, it wasn't, and it wasn't worthy of a. It probably, honestly, to me, it wasn't worthy of best picture nomination even. No, but uh, but that uh, to me that that has nothing to do with Gary Oldman's performance, which I think was a home run. Yep. Alexon. Oh yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> Clearly, Gary Oldman. Uh... Mm. Well, had the best performance out of this list, and he, you know, he deserved the Oscar for actor in this one. Yeah. Yeah, we talked. We talked briefly, briefly about Denzel Washington. Uh, Washington having no place on that list. Um. Uh, Daniel uh, Kaluuya. Yeah. Was a pleasant surprise. I think we talked in the, when we had the nominations come out. Um, but that was a pleasant surprise. Good for him. Yeah, I was surprised to see him uh, on that list. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, he didn't win, obviously, but good for him mm-hmm. to get on there. So we'll move on to the two biggest, two biggest of the night. And uh, as anyone that kept up with this knows that um, these went to the exact, the two same movies. Um, but so director went to Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro for Shape of Water, The Shape of Water. Um, and, you know, I don't know which, and Best Picture obviously went to The Shape of Water as well. Um, but I don't know which I'm more upset about. I'm happy that Guillermo del Toro got a Best Director Oscar because the man does deserve one. Um, he's made a lot of very creative movies, um, very good movies. Pan's Labyrinth is incredible. But, yeah. Oh, I'm upset. You know, I, I lied. I do know which one I'm more upset about. I'm more upset about <laughs> director. Because, <laughs> because I'm, a, I'm very upset about director. Because, uh, oh boy. Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan. Lay it on revolutionized us. filmmaking with Dunkirk. And Preach. you can you can you can talk shit about Dunkirk, you can talk shit about his other movies all you want, but every time he makes a movie, he tries something new, which he's done repeatedly with Inception, that was a whole new thing timeline wise. Uh Interstellar uh, well, Memento, which was one of his first big budget movies. Um, but this was something else. I mean, he put out a war movie, a big blockbuster war movie that he fucked with time. And he tried something new. And it just worked. And directors don't revolutionize the game that often like that. And the fact that they gave it Guillermo del Toro. Shape of the Water, fine. Give it Best Picture, but it didn't try anything new to me. Um, no, not really. Uh, I, I could, I could really ramp off for a long time getting angry about this. But what do you, what do you guys think about this whole, this whole thing? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Should have been a Dunkirk Nolan double. Um, it's just like you said. And like we talked about with Lady Bird, like I could see, I don't know why Christopher Nolan would ever do so, but if you handed him the script for Shape of Water, I'm sure he could make a very good movie out of it. Um, If you hand anybody the script for Dunkirk and have them make anything remarkable or memorable that you would say is anything superlative or different than a than you know a war movie it wouldn't happen like he just the way the way he elevates his material every single time that like you said like uh, like uh, inception interstellar like in the hands of other directors memento like it they might have been decent films but like the i can just see them being shallow and that i don't know he's just i think he's the greatest living director at least in his prime that's actually like making really great movies at the moment like and like your track record 
and success really shouldn't enter into it. Like if you're looking at just this film in and of itself as a piece of art, um, which is hard to do, but you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years from now, if you really think people are going to say that the shape of water is a better piece of filmmaking than Dunkirk, I think you're insane. It's just not true. Alexan, do you agree or disagree? <laughs> you know what? I disagree. No, no, I agree with you. Like your points, I think because Christopher Nolan, like you guys made the point, is how he just he just tries something new with every film, and how every film he does is just so unique. It's just so good. I don't know, like just the way, how it how like I walk out of feeling. A Christopher Nolan film is just everyone. I just feel different, but I just feel just overwhelmed with the movie. You know, like it's just it's a unique experience that I, I just have with his films. You know, I have with this director, and I love going to see his films every time I hear about a new project. I'm so excited, and I think he should have won director. You know, just what he did with Dunkirk to feel like how he took like a normal John like a war movie, but just like made it different. By itself, mm-hmm. you know, World War Two movies have been done left and right all over the to- all over the place. They're one of the most popular periods to do war movies, but like he took that and had like a completely just different feel from any other war movie. And I feel like out that list, like he's just of directors, he just took something and made it just so unique and more like Guillermo Toro. Of course, he's an amazing director; he's just great stuff. But I don't think The Shape of Water could compare to what Christopher Nolan did with Dunkirk. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, uh, and that's the biggest difference for me, which I think the Oscars don't deal with is, uh, shape of water is in terms of traditional movie making, maybe not traditional stories because it's about a woman, a mute woman fucking a fish man. Um, but story making and storytelling, it's very, standard um it follows it follows the basic path that they teach you in storytelling classes and screenwriting um but not to say that it's standard it does it in a masterful way and he does that expertly every step of the way Mm -hmm. but man i think the oscars misses some of some of the revolutionary things that Christopher Nolan does. Yeah, it's a real shame. Uh, like. I could I could go on I could go on just like a rant about Christopher Nolan. Um but just strictly speaking Dunkirk, I mean the the man he made a World War II movie about one singular battle and he encompassed three different storylines and three different timelines that had no connection apart from this one battle brought them all together in such a flawless way. Uh, and not even that it's not even the story. It's not even the script. He did the sound, the music, everything like the, I mean, just a singular gunshot. I, he brought you into the, if you saw this in a movie theater and you're sitting there and you hear these gunshots, like one of the, at one point later in the movie, uh, the main, uh, well, there's not really a main character, but 
the character from the beach is in this ship, which you guys have both seen it. Um, but uh, like kind of the, the water's coming up and they're in this ship. Oh yeah. And uh, oh, man. they start getting shot at mm-hmm. and a bullet pierces the hull of this ship and it echoes and it blasts through there and they get terrified but everyone in the audience gets terrified everyone because it's so loud and just encompasses everything and you just experience what these characters are experiencing and that's the entire movie it's just it, it's a whole different experience from the regular movie going scenario because of the sound the music the atmosphere the way he shoots it, the way he gets in there, close and uh, and intimate with like the scene, but also the timeline and how he kind of bridges everything together, and you don't know like what where you are in the time, you're disoriented, which right. is a big part of it. And no other director does that. Even if you want to give this best picture to anyone else, no other director has done anything like that directing-wise. So to nope. me, I don't care who you give best picture to. I mean, I still care, but best director, without a doubt, should go to Christopher Nolan. <laughs> to me. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, you, you'll remember this story from our film classes. Um, the Lumiere brothers, when they first showed their their film that they took of an oncoming train and Mm -hmm. like people jumped out of their seats and tried to run out of the theater because they thought it was really coming at them like that's what film's about to me is exploiting the psychological phenomenon almost of a moving picture and that was so long ago that was like i think 1898 and the fact that he yeah, it's right at the 1800s, yeah, yeah. The fact that he almost replicates that exact same sensation in a completely novel way after over a hundred years of filmmaking is amazing. And that's like, it's the I think the what is the official name? It's the Academy of Art, like Motion Arts and Sciences, or something like that. Academy of Motion Pictures or something. Yeah, Motion Pictures and Arts or something. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's. Like we said, the 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 technical ambition of taking the science of film forward, and that that original spirit of trying to show the audience something truly new, exciting, frightening. Obviously, Christopher Nolan accomplishes that to a much greater degree than Del Toro. And like you said, I could stop at director, but if we're going to, I can take that to picture as well. I think. Well, we got to move to picture anyway, so let's just keep yeah, it going, buddy. That's in that last one. Yeah. You know, what it, you know, the shape of water, it, it is, it is what it is, you know, and it's, it's, it's perfectly adequate, but I don't like, I'll say this. What's, what is Guillermo del Toro's best film? Uh, almost certainly Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. So that, to me, that's, uh, like he, he already peaked in my opinion. That's, this, this is not better than that. So why, I don't know. I mean, and that's, that's. No, a, certainly not. Pan's Labyrinth was 
something revolutionary. That was a whole different story. Yeah. And that, I mean, that might be a stupid way to think about it, but I think it's still a, a somewhat valid point. Like why? Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, before we started this conversation, I, I was pretty okay with shape of water, but. Uh, well, and I'm okay with, shape. I'm okay with, shape with it of water too. I just, I, uh, I do think it's a really good movie and, um, I'm surprised the Academy liked it as much as it did, but I do think it's a really well-made movie, and I think Guillermo did a really, really good job with it. Yeah. I'm just more upset about the, the Christopher Nolan bashing that seems to happen year after year. You know, if this wasn't a year that Dunkirk came out, that you know, I think all of us would be like more okay with The Shape of Water bidding in in so many categories, but just the fact that that quality of film came out the same year just and to see it lose to that i think that that's what everybody's is like main complaint is about it because everybody like i think we all like we like the shape of water but just you know not over dunkirk yeah and i you know i don't i guess again maybe this shouldn't really play into the academy's consideration but when you think about legacy i think you can already clearly see that La La Land is going to be a much more well-loved, well-enjoyed film, more viewed film over time than Moonlight, obviously. Um, <laughs> you know, that that's just one that I can remember clearly because it was a couple years ago. But, you know, I think if you go back and dig through, and it's it's not about commercial success either. It's just about, you know, when you when you go back and look through film history, it's not necessarily supposed to be a one for one you know the academy doesn't nail it every single year um but i think obviously yeah there's there's other films that are going to stand up like i just don't i do not see shape of water enduring into history as a true classic film i just i don't really see that you know and that's where i kind of disagree with you a little bit actually um i think shape of water will actually stand the test of time a bit uh strictly because of its uh production value sure. i guess um just it, its visual appeal and its unique story um now i agree with everything else you said like i i don't I don't think it's as revolutionary as everyone's making it out to be. I think, obviously, as we've talked, I think Christopher Nolan deserves every bit of recognition he needs. But um, I don't know. I think I, I don't. I do think there hasn't been a lot like uh, Shape of Water out there. Um, and I think it'll. Uh, I think it'll connect with a lot of people. So I think it'll I think it'll stick around, um, but you never know. It is still about a woman uh, fucking a, a fish man, <laughs> so it's a little weird. Well, that's a little bit. But uh, but yeah. So it also won best picture as we've talked about. Um. Yeah, I I don't know. I uh I I expected three billboards to win best picture. Um, it did not, uh, mostly because of previous awards. I did not like three billboards, so I wasn't voting for it. 
But uh, with uh, Jordan Peele winning screenplay, I was hoping Get Out would win Best Picture, which I've been happy about. Um, but again, as we've been talking about, I think Dunkirk probably should have should have won. Um, but that's a lot of moving pieces here. What do you? What did you, Alexa? What did you think about Best Picture race? What, what were you expecting? What did you think should win? What did you want to win? <laughs> uh, well. Going along with the theme, I wanted... questions, I apologize, but... (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll see if I can answer them. I wanted Dunkirk to win. I... The ones that I expected, I kind of expected three billboards. Billboards? Mm, I cannot say that word tonight. Or I kind of saw Shape of Water winning. I felt like those two were the ones that would definitely be, like, the sweeping ones who win majority of the categories. Um... I could kind of see potentially maybe Darkest Hour making it in, but that was like, that was like I had like a twenty percent chance of that, you know, winning compared to like Shape of Water or Three Billboards, but had a lot higher. But yeah, no, I I, I stand behind. I think Dunkirk should have won, but you know, this Shape of Water's year, apparently, you have to win everything. Yeah, Bozeman, what were your? I mean, we've heard a little bit about it, but what are your estimates for? Yeah, I was hoping for Dunkirk. There was a uh, for me, there was an uncomfortable number of lurking possibilities this year that would have really pissed me off, like the Post, Phantom Thread, and Call Me by Your Name. Like I wouldn't have been shocked if any of those had won, because those are just like. You know, that's just the shit the Academy does sometimes, you know. So, like, I was honestly, I would say I approached Best Picture with just a lot of, like, an unusual amount of fear compared to other years. I just, because I do, I do love the Academy. I love Oscars. I love, I love the prestige of it. I love Oscars history. I love all the montages and stuff. I mean, I love film. We, we all love film. We love film history. And I really am not ever enthused to see it become a mockery of itself by constantly mm. nominating and awarding films that people don't really like, you know, um, not, yeah. not that like, you know, this time next year, just because black Panther made all the money in the world, I don't even think it should really get a nomination for best picture, but you know, there's going to be clamor for it. They might relent to it, but that's not, that's also not what the Academy should be. It's not the people's choice awards. Um, so finding the balance between those two, between being this sort of esoteric old school, uh, entity that is always awarding pictures about, um, you know, gay people and black people in trouble. And, you know, all, all these jokes that we always make about the Academy that they're usually somewhat true. There's a shred of truth to that. You see that in the nominations, but I, I find the shape of water to be extremely acceptable. I would not have found the post or phantom thread or call me by your name to be acceptable best picture winners because they're just not good films. Um, and the shape of water is a good film and I can stand by it for that. Yeah, no, I I see what you're saying. Like I, uh, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't overly upset that Shape of Water won. I think it was really creative. I think it was really well made. Um, that's I was actually like 
prepared for three billboards to win and was about to get really upset, but it did not. So, which I think is the smart move. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I, for a lot of these, I would have liked it to go another way, but it was a well-made movie. So, uh, all right. Well, that's, you know, that we, we really went through every category here. So deep. We go, cover, we go deep. those Oscars. Yeah. Coast to coast. <laughs> Thought we'd coast skim over coast. some of these, but, you know, we just kind of ended up, yeah, coast to coasting through all these categories. So, um, did our news. That'll about do it for us. Uh, keep an eye out for, uh, for this episode. Uh, we're going to try to schedule a Grand Admiral's Table, which is a Star Wars-specific episode with us three talking all Star Wars news. Um, we're going to try for that soon. We're still trying to work through our schedules, so just keep an eye out. Don't know when that will happen. Um, we're gonna, uh, we're, we worked through our technical difficulties, so we should be getting close to a regular weekly schedule for our news segment. Um, so be ready for that. And, uh, anything else? I don't know. Yeah. Be, be on uh, the yeah. lookout for our super Mario brothers movie podcast special coming soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not true. That's a bit of a joke. Um, well, it might be true though, because that is a phenomenal movie. It's, so. it's one of the best. I can't believe it wasn't even nominated the year it came out. <laughs> I would love to watch it again, though. So who knows? We might do a commentary of that movie someday. It's been so yeah, long, like the 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 plot. It's 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 something that it's it's something that is so ridiculous that the way I remember it seems like it can't be true, but I'm sure it is. They even have Yoshi as this just like horrible, horrible dinosaur. Yeah, monster. it's like it's like the baby. It's like Yoshi's supposed to be the cutest little Yoshi, and you made him a horrible monster. Yeah, terrible. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if I have anything else to add to all that, but, uh, thanks for listening and, uh, we'll see you hopefully next week.